evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, America. Good evening, good citizens of the country and the world, wherever you might be joining us on this. Oh, today is Tuesday, not Monday. Let me get that adjusted on our banner for you. So welcome, 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 and thank you for joining us on this Tuesday evening, June 28th, 2022, for another live edition of The Sea Report. Coming to you live across multiple channels, including Rumble, the Foxhole.app, Twitch, and Clout Hub. I'm your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Cossidis, and it is great to be here again with you all, ladies and gentlemen, as we get ready to spill into another evening of a recent events, local news, headlines, and, uh, you know, current events and stories. Now, I say local, I mean to America, but actually we are going to take a short spin uh, a little elsewhere tonight as we normally bring you guys America First Headlines News and the likes. Uh, but tonight, well, you know, well, we have quite a story uh, jam-packed for you all this evening. Now, I will say, ladies and gentlemen, for a fact, you know, I had a, I had a pretty good idea of where tonight's Sea Report was going to take us here as uh, we get into a bit of the news uh, that is interesting to peruse for us all, you know, as I curate the headlines for you all as I typically do uh, this on these evenings. But uh, as the day advanced and as I was getting my story together, uh, things started to kind of shift a little bit, ladies and gentlemen, into uh, some other types of topics. I think tonight we'll actually be doing an episode that is uh, Yango Tango. Yango, is it Yango Tango? Yango Tango friendly? Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know. I don't know how, I'm not used to uh, pronouncing these words and uh, self-censoring about hither or thither or whatever it is that uh, keeps us uh, from being censored off of certain platforms. Uh, Susan Tube is what we'll call it today. So tonight I think we're gonna produce a, an episode that is uh, friendly towards the likes of Susan Tube, which means there will be some specific uh, topics that we will not be discussing this evening. Uh, certain topics that a lot of you guys are quite fond of on the reporting. Uh, that would include topics that regard elections and voting, etc., 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 certain types of inoculations, although we don't really cover the inoculations too much, though the inoculations kind of lost their steam uh, some months ago. So don't, don't really, uh, really cover those uh, too much ever and uh, uh, absolutely not. But, uh, but nevertheless, I think you guys will enjoy the episode for tonight that I have in front of you guys. We'll be talking a lot about uh, what's been going on with the, um, the Supreme Court, actually. Because uh, I haven't had a chance to really address some of the things that are going on at the Supreme Court, as you all are obviously aware about uh, what was going on with the Roe versus Wade decision and how that was overturned. Uh, we'll jump into that tonight because uh, we haven't, like I said, had a moment to truly address that situation as well as the other situations that the Supreme Court has uh, ruled on in the last week or so. Uh, 
Um, I'm sure all of you all will be quite interested to hear a little bit about that uh, and how those rulings will affect us moving forward. And then also some other rulings that the Supreme Court will be looking at in the coming weeks or so. So we'll definitely be jumping into that, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk a little bit about today's Shim Sham Flim Flam hearing. It was a total, total, total wreck, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure anyone who experienced that Shim Sham Flim Flam hearing uh, would quite agree it was kind of hard to keep the lunch down, right? It was kind of hard to digest anything about it, to be quite honest with you all. Uh, but nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, it, uh, it still occurred. It still happened. And so we're not going to ignore... I kind of thought, well, you know what, we'll go ahead and let President Trump uh, and his statements for the day take us there, ladies and gentlemen, in regards to the Shim Sham Flim Flam, uh, January 6th false flag uh, Capitol right hearings. But no, 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 no. You know, you know, here in the typical uh, C report fashion, we got to do a little bit of the debunks, right? So we will uh, be debunking some of the things that occurred. Uh, I would say the perjury that occurred today during the Shim Sham Flim Flam hearing, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, quite honestly, if I were going to be totally 100% upfront with you all, I would say we'll go over some of the perjury that occurred today at the Shim Sham Flim Flam hearing. The only thing about it is, you know, is that since it is a Shim Sham Flim Flam and it's not necessarily a hearing, it's not necessarily a trial, it's not anything that could be held against anybody in the court of law because it's a kangaroo court, it's a false trial, it's not even a trial of, uh, of judiciary matters, it's more like a trial of public opinion, uh, they can't really hold the uh, little skag that they had up as a um, uh, as a witness today. They gave the skag the entire two hours to lie and spill hot air out of her mouth, where it would normally, you know, be uh, uh, better better uh, left to. Uh, coming out of an entirely different orifice, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll take a little bit of a look at that tonight as we uh, round out tonight's C-Report. Um, we will also talk a little bit about the uh, sentencing that went down today for Ghislaine Maxwell's ladies and gentlemen, uh, in case you guys, I mean, uh, most likely everybody heard about it, right? Ghislaine Maxwell's being sentenced, um, her being sentenced like what a third of probably what she actually deserves for her, her involvement in uh, running over. And running over uh, all of these children and uh, ruining their lives, ladies and gentlemen, as uh, one of the uh, primary scouts for the nubiles for Jeffrey Epstein and his clientele, ladies and gentlemen. A key word, operative word, motivating word here being clientele, emphasis added. And because I'll say it here, as uh, many people have said it before, uh, it seems that this is the biggest uh, pedophile human trafficking ring to ever be busted that had absolutely no clients, which I'm sure maybe one fifth of the world are asking and scratching their heads about. How on earth is it that uh, they're going to bust these two uh, human trafficking, child sex trafficking, pedophilia 
types of individuals and yet not go after the clients of Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. So those are pretty much uh, the stories that we will be dodging through tonight on this the 325th episode of The Sea Report. And again, I thank you all for joining us on this evening of all evenings. It's a little stormy and thundery out here in the state of Texas. Uh, but I don't think that will prevent us from moving forward with tonight's stories. At least it hasn't gotten to uh, hasn't gotten to any level of concern, ladies and gentlemen. We just got a little bit of thunder. We got a little bit of lightning. Uh, but I hope you all are doing well out there as you're joining us on the interwebs and uh, getting ready for another good episode of the Sea Report. Uh, before we move into tonight's episode, some real quick housekeeping. I'd like to encourage you all to stop by thecereport.com. You guys know it. You've heard of it. We've talked about it before. Thecereport.com. You can join our mailing list there, ladies and gentlemen, where you can stay abreast on whatever news, information, insights that we have going on over for the Sea Report. Yeah, I'm just going to scroll real briefly through it, uh, but really is uh, to um, uh, go ahead and uh, throw in a quick plug for the Sea Report store. It's uh, more affectionately referred to as Shop Mr. C TV, ladies and gentlemen, because as you know, we do more uh, we do more broadcast here than just the Sea Report. We also have Sea in the Dark and the uh, legendary mythological creature known as Lone Star News, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. In addition to do, uh, reviewing hearings as well as having watch parties for President Trump's uh, rallies, you can click on the store button right up here. Actually, let me go ahead and expand that for you guys. Click on the store button right behind the little Mr. CTV sign here. Boop. And that'll take you right over to Shop Mr. CTV where we have exclusive merchandise. Allegedly, uh, because you demanded it, Mr. CTV has released an exclusive line of the C Report and Mr. C merchandise, shop apparel, home goods, accessories, and more. Show off your love for Mr. C today and support this channel every time that you do. You go and you click on that little button there and it'll take you right over to the Shop Mr. C TV store. Uh, some things I'd like to highlight uh, just for those of you who might be interested in supporting the broadcast in more ways than one. Uh, you can get your classic Mr. C TV shirt here, guys. Classic Mr. C Shop C TV shirt. Yeah, that's our logo. It's got... Uh, um, it's got my space, my face splot all over it. You can also catch your classic, the Sea Report News shirt. Oh, actually, this isn't the classic. This is actually uh, this is actually Silver Age right here. Uh, get your Sea Report News shirt, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but uh, we have uh, newer uh, newer items here, like the President Trump Kofefe shirt. This most likely won't be a limited edition, ladies and gentlemen, but that is Shop Kofefe, right? Uh, and that is just in memorial of uh, Kofefe, you know, and uh, of course, my favorite part about it is explaining to everyone exactly what this Kofefe means. Never let anyone tell you any differently. Kofefe stands for Communications Over Various Feeds Electronically for Engagement Act of 2017, which was basically a bill that was um, made into law that uh, further solidified the protections of presidential records as far as social media is concerned, Kofefe Act. Uh, 
of 2017. You can memorialize it on uh, the Mr. C TV Shop Mr. C shirt, a covfefe featuring our beloved president himself, Donald J. Trump, ladies and gentlemen. But to move right along, we also have the brand new shirt. Uh, that is, it's uh, rhino hunting season, ladies and gentlemen. From the White House to the State House, it is rhino hunting season. Because after all, ladies and gentlemen, as you may know, since uh, the Sea Report has been on the air since February 2nd, 2021, well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been rhino hunting season. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, rhino hunting season. We're not going to let Eric Greitens get away with uh, uh, milking that one for all it's worth, right? You know, I'm not a hunter, and, you know, while I support guns and uh, I do actually, you know, uh, 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 understand their importance, you know, <laughs> I never would have thought to have made uh, rhino hunting tags, right? Permits for a rhino hunting. Okay. You can also get these designs in a mug form, ladies and gentlemen, for any of those who like to drink their coffee. Uh, you know, I got my Mr. C News mug here, and now, ladies and gentlemen, I could tell you, 20 dishwashes later, this thing is holding strong, so, uh, cheers to that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, but, uh, probably one of our standout mugs besides our, uh, President Trump Kofefe mug, right? Yep, we got that on the mug as well, as well as our rhino hunting season mug. Oh, yeah, you better believe we got that on a mug as well here at Shop Mr. C TV. Oh, look at how gorgeous that thing looks. Is the limited edition Everything Woke Turns to Shit Victoria Millie mug. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll want to pick that one up before it goes away. And uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it actually does say it on the mug. Everything woke turns to shit. Okay, guys, I think that is about enough of that. <laughs> Thank you for uh, hanging in there while I did that soft plug of the Sea Report merchandise store. You guys asked for it. I finally delivered it. Uh, took me a minute, guys. It took me a minute. And yes, uh, we have those available in shirts in particular in multiple sizes, multiple colors, multiple styles, and multiple cuts. I think you guys will enjoy uh, sporting your Mr. C fashions, uh, you know, or your uh, house goods. Ladies and gentlemen, they're definitely conversation starters. Okay, all right. Alrighty, guys, so that's going to bring us in to uh, our episode for today. Uh, before we get started off with our President Trump statements, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let me just dip into the um, uh, chat rooms we got going on over at the Foxhole app. We got dpatriot1776 in the house. Good evening, dpatriot. Good to see you again this evening, as well as Sean Joe. Thank you for gifting the cookie. Much appreciated, sir, and great to have you along here with us. Tam Growl is uh, looking for something. Are you looking for me, Tam Growl? Because I'm right here, uh, my lady, and uh, good to see you in the audience as well. One, two, three, SKG. Good evening. Howdy, howdy. Good to see you, ma'am. And uh, Tam Grell, thank you for the cookie. Sean Go Joe, thank you for another cookie coming this way. Uh, casual GG17. Good evening and good to see you as well. 
Yeah. Dpatriot1776 says she lost all her guns in a tragic boating accident. Oh, that doesn't sound too good, Dpatriot, but thank you for tossing a cookie this way. And uh, much appreciated, ladies and gentlemen. Much appreciated. All right. Hope you guys are ready for a fairly good, well, you know, fairly good, a pretty good show tonight, I think we have lined up um, for this evening. Like I said, I really did debate whether or not I was going to uh, say anything about today's uh, January 6th um, unselect committee uh, hearing on the uh, false flag riots at the Capitol. Flim Flam Shim Sham Clown Show. You know, I mean, God, the title just gets longer and longer and longer. It's like the uh, the mainstream, mainstream propaganda, pedophile, uh, uh, fake news, legacy, mockingbird media, right? <laughs> the title just gets longer and longer and longer. Uh, and, and I kind of resigned myself to allow President Trump to kind of uh, tell us a little bit about today's shim sham flim flam hearing through his uh, statements and his truths as we normally garner them over at Truth Social. Let's see what President Trump had to say about it. You know, for the most part, he was kind of live tweeting uh, throughout the shim sham flim flam hearing. Uh, but this is uh, some of what he had to say. Some, some, some items that we probably already agree with and or knew about and or understood for a fact for ourselves without even him needing to say a thing. Uh, President Trump says, I never said Mike Pence deserves it to be hanged. Another made up statement by a third rate social climber. I wonder who President Trump might be talking about when he says a third rate social climber. He's probably talking about Butch Cassidy. I mean, uh, this Cassidy uh, Hutchinson person uh, who was uh, coming about as a surprise witness uh, to what? Uh, startle America into believing that uh, President Trump um, was uh, what? A violent and angry man. Uh, well, uh, it seems to me that that's probably what this uh, Cassidy Hutchison was really all about. Let's check his next statement. She changed lawyers a couple of days ago and with it, her story totally changed. Shocker. Hmm. I think we are drawing on some more of that Butch, Ca I mean, that Cassidy Hutchison uh, energy here from President Trump. Kind of uh, talking a little bit about yeah, some inside baseball we may not have known too much about. President Trump says, never complained about the crowd. It was massive. I did not want or request that we make room for people with guns to watch my speech. Who would ever want that? Not me. Besides, there were no guns found or brought into the Capitol building. So where were all of these guns? But sadly, a gun was used on Ashley Babbitt with no price to pay against the person who used it. You go on with your bad self, President Trump, and you let them know and remind them. Because let's not forget, there is no cross-examination in this kangaroo court. There is no, uh, there is no way to uh, question the narrative that these individuals are painting ever so uh, destructively for anyone who's actually watching it. I mean, I'm resigned to uh, believe that no one is watching this except for patriots and for conservatives and for individuals who want to see exactly how bad of a shim-sham flim-flam these guys could put on for the world. Uh, 
I really don't believe anyone at their base. I don't believe anyone who supports the Democrat Party. I don't believe anyone who dislikes or hates President Trump is actually watching these proceedings, ladies and gentlemen, to you. I don't think you guys believe so either, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think you guys believe so either. And it was rather interesting to hear this Hutchinson Cassidy person going on about uh, President Trump complaining about the crowds. And again, you have them, what, uh, flashing photos of the ellipse area that was probably like at 7 a.m., you know, when there was nobody even really there at the ellipse. You know, when I got to the Capitol on January 6th, uh, going from my hotel over to the um, the uh, Capitol Mall, ladies and gentlemen, at 7 a.m. It was freaking cold for one. And for two, you know, there was already thousands and thousands of people there. Um, already thousands and thousands of people there. Yet, uh, the area where the president was speaking at the ellipse was pretty much blocked slash quarantined because you had to have like tickets or you had to have a golden ticket. You had to have paid your way or you had to have had some kind of press pass to get close and upfront to the stage. So narrowly do I believe that at 7, 8, 9, even 10 a.m. that you would have had that area in front of the stage at the ellipse filled with any amount of people more than the photographs that they showed at that time uh, when this uh, lying Hutchinson individual said that you had uh, the president complaining about the crowd size. Really? Complaining about the crowd size when I could hardly get up to the Washington Monument at like 8 or 9 a.m.? It was a packed house that day, ladies and gentlemen. Anyone who was there, I believe, could attest to that. Hmm? But let alone this thing about the guns, right? Like, uh, who, indeed, who would ever want that? Like, President Trump wants people with guns to be moved to the front of the line? I mean, hello, we're talking about a federal landmark, if not a dozen of them, ladies and gentlemen. There are going to be no guns allowed anywhere in Washington, D.C., let alone for President Trump's um, a supposed uh, Million Man March Part 3, right? It was not even billed as a Million Patriot March or the Million MAGA March, okay? That was like the first and the second one. Uh, this uh, January 6th Electoral College Day protest was totally of its own, and uh, I couldn't dare say that it's President Trump's fault that over a million people showed up, you know. And that's another thing that I think uh, history should correct itself in at least that course, okay. Uh, President Trump never said this was the million MAGA March times three, right? He never said that. Never called it that. Never was it uh, broadcasted or advertised as such things, Ladies and gentlemen, that is just uh, something that people are running away with as a falsehood in order to uh, string up President Trump with some type of responsibility. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure we could all agree on that. But, you know, this whole notion that they had guns there. I mean, come on. I was there the entire day from 7 a.m. to almost 7 p.m. There was not a gun that I saw. 
Of course, I'm going to share with you some reports and stories that do reveal that indeed there were guns on the Capitol Mall that day. Uh, but, you know, my life did not feel endangered, ladies and gentlemen. The only thing I was endangered from was, uh, you know, uh, turning into an ice cube, turning blue and uh, dying of hypothermia. OK, which I took care of by getting a President Trump beanie and scarf and maintaining some sense of warmness. Next statement from President Trump. Uh, Cheney conveniently uh, left out the snippet in my speech to go peacefully and patriotically. Isn't she a disgrace? And again, guys, I mean, come on. Do you think that President Trump spelled her name wrong here on purpose? <laughs> what were we just talking about yesterday? I mean, if he's going to spell her name C-H-A-N-E-Y, he might as well spell it with an I, ladies and gentlemen, and really make it mean Chain-E, okay? Someone fires Truth Social, a gremlin over there, guys. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of correcting President Trump's grammar when it's the fault of his stupid uh, little Truth Social-like minion over there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, what are we supposed to do? Go go look up Lon Chaney, like the vampire or the zombie or whatever, because he spelled, maybe that's what he meant. He spelled her name like that. So we could uh, think about her as like some zombie vampire from the like the 30s or 40s or whatever. <laughs> do you think that was the reason why they misspelled her name? So that we can uh, draw this conclusion that Liz Chaney's related to like this, uh, horror monster classic from another age, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think so, okay? Then again, if he did spell it with an I, C-H-I-C-H-A-I-N-Y, he might have gotten into trouble, right? So I guess it's a good thing they spelt it that way. Okay, anyways, last I checked, Cheney, uh, as in the Warhawk, as in the Rhino, as in the, uh, as in the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the, the neocon was spelled C-H-E-N-E-Y. All right. Uh, this literally is just to make President Trump look stupid. There's no other Nosferatu. Thank you, Tam Growl. The Nos <laughs> we got the Nosferatu Liz Cheney in the house. Is that to draw towards the fact that she's a blood-sucking daughter of Satan or what? That she drinks the blood of the children of Salem? Maybe, okay? Maybe. But this is just getting a little bit too egregious for me to agree with that it's being done on purpose, okay? Not a statement like this. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Loser Cheney, Lizard Cheney. Yes, one, two, three, SKG. It's all the same. <laughs> Goodness gracious, ladies and gentlemen. A total phony! Says President Trump in regard to this Butch Cassidy Hutchinson, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, she was a 25-year-old little snot, ladies and gentlemen. A 25-year-old little snot who could not lie worth a damn. Now, I will admit, I will admit, with the exception of Bradford Rottenberger, that's right, the Secretary of Snakes, Brad Raffenberger, Raffensberger, she was uh, she was a better actress than any of the other any of the other um, um, witnesses they've called to date. Now I will say that she was uh, one of the better actresses only because 
Uh, her body language was not as distorted and disbelieving as any of the other ones I've witnessed, with the exception of Bradford Raffensperger. Bradford Raffensperger's had a long time to keep himself in practice as far as lying about everything that happened in the uh, 2020 uh, election proceedings and thereafter, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, she still had terrible, terrible... Uh, Terrible indications of of uh, a deception, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure you all could agree from the distant gaze so as to search the memories of her fear and her uh, trepidation uh, that had to deal with her experiences with the president uh, to the shifty eyes to uh, the, it's a terrible, terrible lying, guys. Terrible lying. I know all of you all would definitely agree with that if you saw it yourselves. A total phony, as president says. Uh, let's see here. Why didn't they use uh, the 10,000 troops that I offered up on January 3rd? There would have been no January 6th. And I actually wondered whether or not she was going to lie about that, you know? I actually wondered whether or not that was even going to come up. Of course it didn't. It did not come up during the hearing. Uh, never was there a mention. You know, they're talking about the president's safety. They're talking about guns being on the ground. They're talking about the president lunging at the Secret Service, trying to grab hold of the steering wheel so that he can drive himself to the Capitol. Really? Really? You think the President Trump is really going to do that? Do you think that he could fit between the two front seat uh, <laughs> to get to that steering wheel? I doubt it, right? Usually the President's way at the back and there's like like a seat, uh, in, uh, a whole seat panel in front of him and then you got the two dry... Yeah, yeah, President Trump leapt over, like what, four Secret Service agents just to get a hold of that steering wheel. You know, a lot of us don't have uh, the, um, uh, we don't have the luxury of knowing the exact inner workings of the beast, right? Or any other type of uh, automotive that um, wheels the president around. But I'm willing to bet there was at least a row of seats and at least three to four Secret Service people between him and that steering wheel. And you know what? There was probably even like a bulletproof window, <laughs> between him and the steering wheel and yet this lying butch cassidy hutchinson wants us to believe that he like slapped a, he slapped a, a secret serviceman grabbed the steering wheel and they held him by his clavicle right lying butch cassidy hutchinson Oh, look, at, here's a direct statement about this lying butch Cassidy Hutchinson. It says, I hardly know who this person, Cassidy Hutchinson, is other than I heard very negative things about her, a total phony and a leaker. And when she requested to go with certain other others of the team to Florida after my having served a full term in office, I personally turned down her request. Why did she want to go with us if she felt we were so terrible? I understand that she was very upset and angry that I did not want her to go or be a member of the team. She is, she is bad news. We'll go ahead and uh, drop that banner so you can see she is bad news. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, that statement actually makes a lot of sense, ladies and gentlemen, if you think about it. 
you know? Uh, she, was, she was so traumatized by the events of uh, January 6th and, and the week leading up to it. And apparently uh, President Trump's um, terrible behavior, his unbecoming unceremonial behavior of uh, smashing dishes and being violent and F this and F that, I'm the president, and uh, almost knocking out the Secret Service so he could drive himself to the Capitol... Why would she request to go to Florida post his first term to serve with him? It makes no sense. It, it, it makes her look more like a phony, to be quite honest with you. Here we go with another misspelling of Cheney. Cheney, do we already say this one? Did I say this one already? Let me go back and look. Oh, nope, we already used this one. I don't know how I got this one twice in here. Anyways, Cheney is spelled wrong. Okay, so <laughs> her body language is that of a total bull artist. Fantasy land. Uh-huh. Again, uh, you know, it does, it does no good to anyone that is in the deep state or part of this whole program of lies that they have all of these shows that come out like on Netflix, like how to spot a lie or uh, uh, debunking the lying liar. And they teach you all about body language and the way people look like when they're lying and stuff. Cause you know, uh, you know, the common man pays attention to that stuff. There's no cross-examination of this so-called witness. This is a kangaroo court. Yep. Equal time, equal time. And here we have President Trump uh, addressing the fake limousine story. It says, uh, her fake story that I tried to grab the steering wheel of the White House limousine in order to steer it to the Capitol building is sick and fraudulent. Very much like the unselect committee itself would not even have been possible to do such a ridiculous thing. Her story of me throwing food is also false. And why would she have to clean it up? I hardly knew who she was. I think I missed that part, ladies and gentlemen, about uh, President Trump throwing food. Uh, it, it, that sounds kind of like that story that that one, uh, that one uh, um, uh, White House uh, uh, helper uh, told about President Trump uh, tearing up all of his uh, memorial notes, uh, you know, when they mem memorialize, uh, you know, uh, conversations and throwing them in the toilet bowl. <laughs> she had to fish them out of the presidential toilet bowl. <laughs> Here we go again, ladies and gentlemen. Yet another sad, sad, deceptive story just to push forward a narrative that will not amount to much in the grand scheme of things, ladies and gentlemen. And we got this 25-year-old uh, little... Uh, would she be millennial or would she be post-millennial? I don't know. Uh, that's President Trump. That's not her. We're talking about this one here. <laughs> the little liar herself. The little liar herself, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what is her name again? Cassidy Hutchinson, deceptive uh, surprise witness, third-rate hack, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Flushgate is what they're saying over there in the audience. Indeed, indeed it is, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for the cookie, casual GG17. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. And uh, great to uh, have you all again with us here today.
Looks like you guys are pretty uh, active over there in the chat room this evening as we get into tonight's story. So let's get into a little bit about the debunkingness of uh, today's uh, stories. Uh, Depatriot1776 says, they're nonsense stories and they are really pathetic at this point. I would definitely agree. <laughs> uh, she also says that President Trump was not even in the presidential limo that day. And uh, Tam Grell does bring up a good point. Uh, uh, lying Cassidy Hutchinson said, that is what she heard. She was just attempting to be a spy, according to Sean Joe. I would have to agree with all of that. Good evening, Two Rivers. Good to see you and glad to have you with us in the audience tonight, my friend. Since she did not fulfill her mission to spy on Trump, they made her lie to the panel and she's going to get in trouble. It's kind of what I'm thinking at this point when we're talking about this sick little puppy on the screen, Cassidy Hutchinson, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, everything that she had to say to the J6 Unselect Committee uh, on the uh, January 6th false flag riots that occurred, ladies and gentlemen. Let, let's see what has been coming out and about uh, from this little thing now, you know, when, when they say that these things are all like wrap up smears, you know what I mean? Like this little girl is going to go. And again, it's a shame. It's not like in front of a real type of court, like she's really on trial or what it's kangaroo court. Right? It's just, uh, this is a shim sham flim flam, a fake proceeding. Okay. It's meant to influence and entice the public uh, opinion. It has absolutely nothing to do with substantiated anything in any type of court of law. Okay, it is a production. It has, uh, it, it's supposed to have Hollywood value, but uh, it doesn't even have that, ladies and gentlemen. And look at the smug, deceptive eyes and smile of this woman. But uh, as far as the court of public opinion has gone, I would say, hey, it's doing its job. Take a look at some of these headlines here, guys. What, what, what do we got? Aid testifies she was told Trump lunged at Secret Service. Again, there we go. Told he lunged. Trump lunged at Secret Service agent after being told he could not go to the Capitol. That's from Fox News right there. So you see how they're all going to run away? The, that's right, guys. The lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile media. They're all going to run away with this narrative, okay? January 6th hearing, top five moments of explosive uh, Cassidy Hutchins testimony about Trump's attack on the Capitol, Fox News even. Uh, let's see here. Mystery reigns as two key Secret Service figures from January 6th hearing. Well, Washington Examiner, that might actually be uh, an article worth uh, looking at. Rolling Stone, Trump lunged at Secret Service in an effort to go to the Capitol on January 6th. The January 6th committee hearing, President Trump was a violent maniac, says this one because of Cassidy Hutchinson's, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson's uh, testimony or lack thereof, violent towards the Secret Service. Trump attacked his own Secret Service driver. Oh, that's from Mother Jones. Let's see what else we got. Trump screamed at Secret Service to let him go to the Capitol. Screamed at Mark Meadows. Trump lunged at Secret Service agent in rage when he was told he couldn't go to the Capitol on January 6th. Aide testifies. 
What we know about security responses at the Capitol on January 6th, President Trump lunged at his Secret Service. Trump tried to drive himself to the Capitol on January 6th, so says Cassidy Hutchinson. Trump tried to strangle a Secret Service agent in an attempt to reach the Capitol. Aid testifies. That's from Seattle Times. Figures at Seattle would have a headline like that. Donald Trump fought the Secret Service to lead the rioters to the Capitol. TMZ News. Of course, they're going to have a loser headline like that. Trump attacked the Secret Service agent in an attempt to reach the Capitol on January 6th. So save Cassidy Hutchinson. Uh-huh. Pence, chief of staff, alerted uh, Secret Service of Risk to Pence on E. Okay, yeah, well, well, who, no one cares about Pence anymore. Okay, angry, violent, reckless, testimony paints shocking portrait of Trump. So saith Hutchinson, former White House aide. Trump has a meltdown on Truth Social. <laughs> After Cassidy, well, we read all of President Trump's statements from today as he was just about, you know, live truthing while it was going on. And I don't think that can that could be considered a meltdown. But anyways, I don't know. I guess Salon.com can have their own opinion on that. What Cassidy Hutchison revealed about Trump during the January 6th hearing, her testimony and takeaways. It sure sounds like Donald Trump should spend his twilight years in a... <laughs> what does the rest of this headline say? <laughs> Probably it says in anger management or something like that. Um, I wouldn't be sure. I wouldn't doubt it. I couldn't be sure, but I would not doubt it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, anyways, uh, supposedly these January 6th revelations blew the house off of the, uh, blew the roof off of the house. Oh, you know, Jamie Raskin's gonna say that, that little rat. Anyhow, guys, so, that's pretty dramatic, huh? That's pretty dramatic. So, I would say, <clears throat> for the, uh, purposes of the January 6th committee in uh, bringing in this supposed surprise witness, uh, otherwise known as lying Cassidy Hutchinson, uh, she served her purpose. She absolutely served her purpose, ladies and gentlemen, and that was to create um, an environment of wrap-up smear that uh, totally, ladies and gentlemen, will only benefit to force and coerce and gaslight the public opinion into believing that Trump is a madman. Uh, Trump is uh, a violent man. Um, and Trump absolutely wanted to drive himself and lead the rioters into the Capitol building. What do you guys think about that? What do you guys think about that, ladies and gentlemen? That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Tam Growl says, uh, Cassidy is good friends with Mary Poppins Jovanovich. You mean, um, uh, what, is, what is the masculine form of Mary? Because <laughs> everyone knows that... Uh, Everyone knows that crazy um, uh, Jankowitz. It's Jankowitz, okay? Isn't it Jankowitz, right? Everyone knows that's a man. Anyway. <laughs> well, it looks like, ladies and gentlemen, we have some uh, testimony coming in from the Secret Service where they're basically rebuking the surprise witnesses' um, a testimony about President Trump 
hitting the Secret Service member and grabbing the steering wheel. Secret Service rebukes lying Hutchinson's testimony. This comes from the Gateway Pundit. I apologize, I'm not going to get to this, you guys, in immersive reader, but uh, there's just some stuff that we have to capture here from the Gateway Pundit, published by Mr. Jim Hoff of the Pundit itself. Uh, let's see what this article has to say on Tuesday. Liz Cheney, look, they spelled it right. And the Shim Sham Flim Flam January 6th Unselect Committee brought in Mark Meadows staffer lying Cassidy Hutchinson as a surprise witness. 25-year young Cassidy testified that she was told that as then-President Donald Trump was being driven back to the White House after the January 6th rally that he demanded to be taken to the Capitol and tried to grab the steering wheel from a Secret Service agent. Uh, Hutchinson said Trump got into the beast after a speech at the Ellipse on January 6th with the belief that he would be driven to the Capitol. According to Hutchinson, who received this information from uh, Tony Ornato, the assistant director for the Secret Service, Trump grew angry after he was informed that he was being driven back to the West Wing. The fake news media ran with Cassidy's explosive testimony, as you guys just witnessed as we looked at all of their testimony. Hutchison said that Trump traveled in the beast over to the ellipse that day, but Trump was in the presidential SUV. Oh, look, just as, was it, uh, was it SKG or was it uh, a D-Patriot who had just said that in the chat room that President Trump was not even in the limousine that day, right? Well, there you go. There's President, you can barely see him waving right there, but there's President Trump in the uh, Capitol limo, uh, SUV. <laughs> uh, it says the Secret Service denied the report and the agents are ready and willing to testify. It's a shame that this is not going to be considered perjury, right? It's an absolute shame that this woman is not going to get strung up for lying in front of everyone, ladies and gentlemen. It says here... Uh, from Peter Alexander, a source close to the Secret Service tells me both Bobby Engel, the lead agent, and the presidential limousine SUV driver are prepared to testify under oath that neither man was assaulted and that Mr. Trump never lunged for the steering wheel. I mean, what a ridiculous story that was to begin with, ladies and gentlemen. Like, we all knew that was a ridiculous story when we heard it coming out of her false mouth, right? Anyways, uh, so Miss Hutchinson lied under oath. Uh, let's not forget TGP. That, uh, that's, that's not really an oath. <laughs> this is not really a, a judicial proceeding that is occurring here, ladies and gentlemen. So it's not going to amount to a hill of beans in the end, unfortunately, for us. But fortunately for her. You know, I guess uh, I guess that is a good thing, right? I guess that is a good thing for they, ladies and gentlemen. So that's pretty much going to bring that to a close as far as uh, this woman's political career is concerned. Thank goodness it'll probably end right there, ladies and gentlemen. Lying Cassidy Hutchinson. Never to be trusted ever again, ladies and gentlemen. Never to be trusted ever again. Um, um, in regards to uh, her work. Hopefully that's it, guys. Hopefully that is the end of lying Cassidy Hutchinson. 
uh, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, all right. So that was that was that was at least a mildly entertaining, ladies and gentlemen. Um. And, uh, well, you know, we're not going to stop there, though. We got a little bit more stuff to share with you guys as far as debunking this J6 unselect committee, guys. Why stop with Cassidy Hutchinson? <laughs> let's talk about these guys, okay? Let's talk about... Let's talk about the Proud Boys, sir. Who are those guys over there in those uh, yellow and black military uh, kilts? Those are the Proud Boys, sir. The Proud Boys. <laughs> now, you guys know. I just thought this was a fun, a fun picture. Because this is like the perfect meshing of like the patriotic Proud Boys and then like the gay Proud Boys. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, so you know what? You ain't gonna get a butch daddy bear like this in the Proud Boys unless you're watching the, uh, <laughs> unless you're watching the Sea Report, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, but anyhow, guys, uh, we, uh, to get serious, uh, to get serious, we all know that the Proud Boys are being painted, uh, no pun intended, as domestic terrorists during the J6 uh, false flag um, capital riot hearing. And uh, we know that some of them are being held as political prisoners. Okay, we are familiar with some of the members like uh, Joseph Biggs, right, formerly of InfoWars, uh, and then also uh, one of the leaders over there, guys. So... <laughs> Tam girls like proud boys are mocking them. <laughs> uh and then of course their leader their leader that Tario guy uh he was also what um arrested and uh uh, all these other things, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but uh, some new evidence has come out to suggest that perhaps the Proud Boys uh, are innocent of uh, the proceedings. Now, if you guys watched, I believe it was the first episode of the uh, January 6th False Flag Capital Riot Unselect Committee hearing, they had this whole, like, um, this whole, like, movie that they created where they're like, we followed the Proud Boys around, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, they were there knocking down uh, barriers and busting down magnetic doors and leading the riot. And uh, they had guns, right, apparently also there that day, according to these people. Uh, we're seeing that um, that was not uh, that was not exactly what the picture was to actually be, you know what I mean? I, I remember seeing the Proud Boys myself on that day. I've talked about it before. They were uh, lining up information. They were marching towards the Capitol. Uh, and this did, yes, as according to what they said during the J6 committee happened prior to the president's speech at the Ellipse. But um, I don't know. That's not exactly what we're finding out as we move along. Uh, we have this. Apparently, new footage has been released about a, um, a meeting that the Proud Boys had, I guess, over Zoom uh, that has been hidden from the public until now. Again, this is another uh, exclusive from the Gateway Pundit. Proud Boys proven innocent in newly released video hidden from the public. The DOJ tried to hide this evidence and blows up the DOJ and... Lizard Cheney's bogus, seditious conspiracy charges. They hid this from the public. And you can see the entire video 
here. Hmm, let's take a look at what this article has to say and then we'll watch a little bit of the video, guys. It says, an incredible new video has emerged that exonerates the members of the Proud Boy fraternity from the ridiculous, seditious conspiracy charges that the Biden regime launched against them in their war on Trump and his supporters. This Proud Boy leadership meeting was recorded back on December 30th, 2020, one week before the January 6th protest. This video unquestionably proves that the Proud Boys never planned on going inside the Capitol on January 6th, let alone commit seditious conspiracy. Five of these indicted men currently sit in pretrial detention. They include Proud Boy Chairman Enrique Tario and his pals Joseph Biggs, Ethan Nordine, Dominic Pizzola, and Zachary Rell. This recorded Zoom meeting was leaked by an indicted Proud Boy that has viewed it live, that had it viewed live. The Department of Justice had confiscated this video from the public from the phone of Proud Boy Chairman Enrique Tario and hidden it from the public. Luckily, these DOJ geniuses did not realize it still lived on a hidden YouTube link, or they surely would have forced their minions at YouTube to take it down. In the video, Proud Boy Chairman Enrique Tario said, We are never going to be the ones to cross the police barrier or to cross something in order to get to somebody. We're always going to be the ones standing back, right? We are always going to be the ones to effing defend. The group then proceeds to discuss how they will defend themselves against Antifa attackers and avoid getting stabbed by not wearing their normal uniforms of black and yellow so that they blend in. They discuss the importance of organization, group leaders, and formation. They drill in the importance of staying sober as to stay out of trouble. They pledge to stay away from women and avoid normies, non-proud boys, so they can march in an actual straight line and avoid losing each other on the day of the march. They discuss the danger of wandering off alone to take a leak. They mention how charming they are. They insult a female that irritated them at a past rally. They chat about going to the Dollar Tree store to purchase cutting boards to put in their shirts to act as stab-proof vests in case of an Antifa attack. Multiple Proud Boys were stabbed at a rally only a few weeks prior to this meeting by Antifa infiltrators. They talk about beer tax and poke fun at each other. They barely mention the Capitol or President Trump. There's no evidence pointing to a group planning on taking over the government. Yet the maniacal prosecution and the January 6th unselective information, misinformation committee have literally alluded to a baseless conspiracy theory that a drinking fraternity, the Proud Boys, and Oath Keepers somehow magically assisted President Trump in an insurrection. The government, uh, Liz Cheney and Merrick Garland's DOJ, have been planting these seeds in the minds of their minions in the fake news, spreading this misinformation everywhere. In fact, prosecutors stated on the record that the Proud Boys began planning the Capitol attack on December 19th, 2020, directly after President Trump tweeted to his followers to come to Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Yet this video taken 11 days after that and uh, was taken 11 days after that and shows no conspiracy to even enter the Capitol. 
The indicted members of the Proud Boy drinking fraternity now know to, known to the Biden administration as seditious conspirators. A new video proves their innocence. Apparently, a reporter at the New York Times was also able to view the video after the very recent leak. We assume he was very surprised, to say the least, by its contents. Only a few days prior, the New York Times had published a hit piece on the Proud Boys, including a video called How the Proud Boys Breached the Capitol on January 6th, Rile Up the Normies. After viewing this new evidence that the government withheld from the media and manipulated in court documents, perhaps this particular journalist realized that the media has been misled by the Department of Justice, said Ryan. It seems he is fair in this new piece. And uh, I guess they have some blurbs from the New York Times article. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so we have an unedited version and an edited version. Uh, we are going to take a gander at the edited version. Uh, there's Joe Biggs, right? I'm, uh, I met that guy. Anyhow, um, not, not in January. I met him when he was working for Jones in Austin. Anyways, okay. So, oh, you know what? I take that back. I didn't meet Joe Biggs. I met Darren McBreen. Anyways, okay, two different guys. My bad. I, I retract that statement, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, anyways, okay, so uh, let's go ahead and take a gander at this video, guys. And uh, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what kind of, um, I don't know. Let's see what we can draw out of watching this video, right? Maybe, maybe we'll see for ourselves how violent these guys are, right? And uh, we'll see for ourselves uh, exactly how they want to uh, take down America and uh, how they want an insurrection and how they want to destroy, uh, you know, the enemies of the Republic by way of destroying our capital. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty sure that'll be, that'll be the route for them to go, right? Okay, I do warn you guys, there is some language, okay? I know we're, uh, we're still kind of like in the prime time hour, not in the dark yet, but there will be some language that I am unable to edit out because I don't have the time to do that with such a video, nor do I have one of those little uh, sensor buttons, right? We don't do that here in the studio. No sensor buttons, okay. So uh, we'll let you guys take away what you will from this, guys. We'll let you guys take away what you will from this. But uh, yeah, it's pretty telling, guys. They weren't talking about any type of insurrection or storming the Capitol. Mm. Never going to be the ones to cross a police barrier or cross something in order to get to somebody. We're always going to be the ones standing back, right? Um, and we're always going to be the ones to fucking defend. And we've been really good at it. We've been, let, let's be honest, we've been really good at that. We need a way to do rallies better. We fucked up on the 12th. I'm not going to say that we fucked up royally because a lot of good things happened on the 12th, right? Except, uh, whatever, Jeremy's in here. Fuck that dude. Uh, but but there is there is things that we need to fix, and it wasn't because of the 12th. It's because moving forward, we can't continue to have that issue. It will bury the entire club if one huge incident happens. Um and we're at fault. I saw a lot of people going on the offense. We're not used to going on the offense. That's why it's called self-defense. Self-defense should always come first. You should always defend yourself. We shouldn't put ourselves in harm's way, right? We've been known to defend people. I get it, right? But it doesn't mean that we have to go out and look for it. To touch on that subject, <laughs> staying together is probably like the most important thing. We had so many fucking people go off on their own. That's one of the. That's actually the biggest problem that we had. 
Uh, I spend, and this includes in most rallies, but it's more controllable when it's a smaller group. I spend most of my time in rallies fucking bringing people back. Mm -hmm. I'm just fucking corralling everybody, right? Trying to keep everybody from doing something stupid. If there's one dude, there's, there's a thousand of us, dude. Like we could literally fucking stampede over this dude without using our hand and just walk over him and it's over. So um, your throttle control is important and listening is really fucking important, please. So I can't stress that enough. That's the most important part here, gentlemen. Go ahead and talk shit as long as it, you know, keep it fucking professional. But we're never going to be the ones to cross the police barrier or cross something in order to get to somebody. We're always going to be the ones standing back, right? Um, and we're always going to be the ones to fucking defend. And we've been really good at it. We've been, let, let's be honest, we've been really good at that. Um, but what I saw on Saturday was like a fucking pool of fucking unchained pit bulls just running into every situation, right? If we don't run into the situation and we just chill, we'll be there. We're, dude, there was enough of us to take, listen, there was enough of us to fucking go ahead and do whatever we wanted to do in D.C. Mm-hmm. Nobody was going to be able to stop. It. Not the cop. And, not nobody would yeah, stop this. You know. So, just granted by that fact, we need to chill. We need to relax. Um, we need to get our all of our guys home, right? And one thing that we don't we're we're talking about a, a lot of serious shit right here. But one thing that we can't forget is to have fun, right? To enjoy ourselves out there, enjoy the boys, get fucking hammered, get trashed. Um, those are things that that we and we don't get stabbed. And and don't get stabbed, which Jeremy broke that rule um, a couple times. Thanks, um, Jeremy. I'm not the only one. There was four. There was three others. So. They're all going to be disavowed by the end of this. <laughs> so we just we just we trust you guys, right? We trust you guys to do the right thing. That your throttle control is going to be there. That you're not you're not going to just run in and think you're a fucking hero because we're not heroes. Okay, people may perceive that we're heroes. But in all actuality, I've said this a whole bunch of times. We're a bunch of fucking retards that get pointed in the correct direction, and we've 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 kind of lucked. This whole thing has been kind of luck and and kind of charm, as we're some charming, handsome motherfuckers too. We get away with a lot of things because we're fucking some sexy ass motherfuckers. The way that these national rallies are going to be conducted is my uh, like our dream of this is that we have you know, 400, 500 members, and we say, hey, we're going to go to fucking D.C., we're going to go to Austin. Uh, I know that uh, Rufio had just briefly mentioned today that we should go to Montgomery, Alabama and do the SPLC thing. This is where this is where we come into play, and we as that chapter fucking go ahead and do that, plan that, and put that together. You have to have a home chapter, right? This isn't This isn't like something that you could join without having a home chapter. You have to be a proud boy. So the 75 or the 74 of you that are in this chat have been handpicked because you we're used to dealing with you or we see that you have like some type of throttle control. Another thing on this specific rally, we are not wearing uh, our traditional black and yellow Fred Perry. Uh, we're going to go a little bit more incognito, put some fear in them. Uh, it's worked out, but that's not always going to be the case. If the local chapter says, yeah, hey, you know what? You can fucking wear Perry's. We don't give a fuck. Then we're going to go in Perry's. So, um, we don't want guys getting stabbed. You know, we don't want guys getting shot. We don't want anything bad happening to anything or anybody, any, anybody at all, really. But, uh, you know, um, we, we decided to put this team together. We put this leadership structure together so that we can, we can, you know, nationally, 
um, you know, organize these these events and everything. And you guys are part of, of this whole entire thing. So, um, but yeah, touching on what you were saying, um, what I noticed was just everyone was like uh, hyper on edge um, at that last rally. And, you know, what we're trying to avoid by doing this is like that cowboy shit where people are running off, you know, like we were, when we were leaving the Freedom Plaza, I saw the dudes in the fucking skirts running off fucking down. The, and we had to fucking chase them down. And it, it breaks us up, and that's what we're trying to avoid with what we're doing here. And another thing, too, we'll talk about in the future is medical kits and stuff like that. Like you said, we're not really going to discuss a plan for that yet, but it's something in the future that we will discuss. That way we have some kind of organization as to what we're carrying. That way, if someone goes down and gets hurt, and we have to use their supplies, and then maybe another person beside you lost theirs. We can reach an, any individual first aid kit and have whatever it is we need to reach in and grab to make sure that we can save that person's life or at least do the best we can until first responders get there. Yeah. My IFAC that I was carrying on me that I always have saved my fucking ass that night. Somebody put the, uh, the, the chest, uh, was it chest vent on me and saved me. So yeah. Carry an IFAC if you don't fucking have one. Let's see here. I'm trying to get some, uh, what about helmets, plates, carry and plate carriers? We'll uh, talk, we'll talk yeah. equipment. So, one of the plans is to get you guys a list uh, of equipment that you would practically need to get, and then a list of equipment that we recommend uh, is something that uh, we're we're looking to do um, on this on this event. Just stay tuned for what you should be wearing, but um, I think it's just going to be. Uh, you, you, we'll put it in the chat once we have that conversation. Well, listen, even if you can't, man, get some fucking – pull, pull like a fucking Omar from the wire and like fucking duct tape goddamn phone books around your fucking yeah. – around yourself. Trust me, you don't want to get stabbed. If you've never been stabbed, you don't want to get stabbed. So whatever the fuck you can do to, to prevent that, do it. Yeah. Shit, if it costs fucking 13 cents or 1300 do whatever you got to do to protect your fucking body. I've been stabbed words. three times in my life, man. I don't ever want to fucking have it done again. That's for damn sure. Yeah. yeah. Take these yeah. guys' words for it, fellas. Or anything else that you want to address? Yeah, I'll address something. Um, this is something that we, that we all need to talk about. But the escalation of force. Obviously, we're the Ministry of Self-Defense. So our escalation of force isn't going to be to go out and attack. Um, it's going to be more of like a bodyguard system. So obviously we'll be around the marketing team, a.k.a. the dudes that get all the press and stuff like that, and basically be a bodyguard service for the mission that they're trying to accomplish. But that being said, there's also going to be smaller teams that go out and do things like recon and quick reaction force in case somebody gets jammed up in a bind and also to provide information back to that main element. So. As of now, I think we all agree on this with the escalation of force. It's in strictly a defensive mode um, <clears throat> unless the threat is so imminent that you believe that your life is in danger. What do you think? Those of us who, at least for the last two events, have been tied to some security detail, could we be like partially um, in – the this chapter and not in other words when we're done with that security detail like can we meet up 
with, you know, like 10 other guys or I guess, you know, six other guys, like in our security detail, we have four. Right? We're mm-hmm. tied with Latinos for Trump. Yeah. But basically everyone in that detail is in this chapter. So yeah. how yeah. Yeah, I know my so so basically what he's saying. So my chapter is doing secure a security detail specifically for Latinos for Trump. Completely off. When you're done with that detail, uh, I think that uh, we're uh, we're going to be around for a little bit. But when you're done with that detail, as uh, I guess, yes, the, the answer would be yes. But I guess the logistics portion of it would come in how you get to us or where we are. If it's if it's like a marching route, then no problem. You guys can walk straight to us. But I guess we'll we'll stay in communication. You'll be on the chat channels, and I'll include you in that. Um, Ash, are we going to be using that Zello thing this time? Uh, I, so the Zello thing was just like really. I knew not too many people were going to be able to use it because of the data. Uh, so we're going to be we're going to have it as a backup, but we're always going to go to our radios for communication. Okay. Yes. Even your own chapter mates, this is its own chapter. Like, I wouldn't want you to tell me something that happens in your chapter. So, I wouldn't, we're not going to allow for you guys to talk about what happens in here with your chapter, guys. Obviously, there is, uh, obviously, there is chatter about this and what we do here, but uh, keep it at that level. Keep it, keep it at, hey, it's none of your business. If we're marching, yes, try to keep the people that are following us the fuck away from us, right? We don't want anybody following us at all, ever. Mm-mm. And not, and definitely not breaking our ranks. That's the other thing. Yeah. You know, th- like I tried my best to do that last time. It's like, guys, don't let anybody in here. But these motherfuckers, well, see, the other problem is when I said earlier, we have to learn how to stay in formation and learn how to fucking march. You got guys that like fucking lag behind and then, you know, it, 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 we got to slow down, stay, speed up, slow down. It's like, you know, left, right, left, right, right? It's, it's fucking easy walking, guys. And if we can keep yep. ourselves tight, nut to butt, elbow to asshole, we won't let any fucking body into our formation. And that is key because we don't know who the fuck these people are that are just automatically walking into our formation. Now we got to be aware. Is Antifa going to try to fucking walk into our formation and knife us in the back when we're fucking walking? You know, one dude had enough balls to come upon fucking 500 of us and start swinging a knife trying to gut us like fucking fish. So you can imagine what they're going to try to do if they can sneak their way into our fucking formation. So the hard part, I think, for to get these guys to go back inside is that they, they've been stuck inside for months, terrified of all these fucking terrorists running around, destroying their cities. So when they have the opportunity to see these guys are bravely walking the streets of D.C. at nighttime, that's why they want to follow. Because they know what, when we leave, they're not doing that shit the next night. Fuck, no, they're not. Right. So I get where they're coming from. I guess because they feel like, oh wow, we have a moment we can actually be normal people again. But well, you know what? And they can do that, but just do that in the fucking back. You know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. Do that behind us. Don't do that in the middle of us. Yeah. So. Um... Okay, I'll go ahead and, and end it there, guys. It's uh, we probably got about a little bit more than halfway through that video, and it's actually an, like an hour or more. Uh, but yeah, so as you can see, that is the kind of uh, conversations that were being had by leaders of the Proud Boys, ladies and gentlemen, in preparation for the January the 6th um, event, if you want to call it that. Sounds nothing like the stuff that I heard uh, whenever we went through the uh, Sunrise Movement uh, Zoom meetings that they were doing in preparation for 
uh, for an insurrection, right, or a coup, or they called it a counter coup, uh, should President Trump have not left office on election day or uh, handed it over peaceably on January 20th, uh, they were planning a lot more stuff. They were planning violence. They had roadmaps of uh, 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 where uh, they needed to be stationed, what uh, police stations, what fire stations that they needed to make sure that they, they struck, what bridges they needed to be a part of to hold up traffic and for violence to ensue. Okay, those plans by the uh, Sunrise Movement, which included Black Lives Matter, which included uh, all these uh, DC chapters of Antifa, etc. Uh, those were literally planning for violence. This, these guys don't sound like they're planning for violence. These guys don't even sound like they're planning for an insurrection or to storm the Capitol. I'm pretty sure many of you guys got that just by watching that there video. So, uh, well, there you go, guys. There's another J6 burn, right? A burn and a debunk about what they said was happening with all of these, uh, all of these different lies and deceptions that they keep telling uh, the American people and their uh, parrots over at the Mockingbird Media in regard to um, in regard to all of that. Now, let's talk a little bit about. Um, uh, the Antifa members, okay, so uh, like I said, when I was there on the ground, I saw no guns, okay, I saw no guns, uh, but apparently uh, there were Antifa members and there were also embedded uh, federal undercover operatives and uh, DC cops that were caught with the guns. Let's take a look at some of these stories, because it clearly wasn't the Proud Boys who were marching with guns, regardless of what, uh, regardless of what that uh, lying Cassidy Hutchinson had to say today. Uh, ignored by Liz Cheney, I think this is another Gateway Pundit article, yep, uh, ignored by Liz Cheney at the January 6th show trial, Antifa members caught with gun and released on January 6th, undercover Fed operatives pictured with guns but never arrested, and dropped from most wanted lists. So who's this? Kyle from Arizona. They're always from Arizona, aren't they? Let's see, we have uh, Mykaja Jackson is a January 6th defendant. He was arrested in May 2021 and charged with entering the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of last year. Mykaja was also charged with disorderly conduct, violent entry, and demonstrating in a Capitol building and being disruptive. Mykaja Jackson pleaded guilty to one charge in November, parading, demonstrating, or pick picketing in the Capitol building for walking inside the U.S. Capitol. In January, they rec we received this email um, from Gateway Pundit reader George. George says, I'm sure you're aware of Mykaja Jackson. He's one of Arizona's per persecuted January 6th protesters. He just confronted another guy who got removed from the FBI's most wanted list and had a gun inside the Capitol. The guy who got removed from the FBI most wanted list is Luke Philip Robinson. Do you know this person? FBI's wanted number 343, the ginger gun. <laughs> Wow, in interesting, guys. So FBI.gov slash U.S. Capitol. So apparently this guy was on the uh, FBI wanted list, the Ginger Gunsman. 
Ginger Gunsman, ladies and gentlemen. Sure enough, the FBI deleted Luke Philip Robinson's profile, number 343, so the only person with a gun that day was dropped from the FBI list. How did that happen, and why was the left not in an uproar? Luke Robinson was one of only three individuals who was later removed from the FBI's most wanted list along with Ray Epps and one other. Notice they still have a grandma picture. That's number 342. So grandma is still on the FBI's most wanted list. Uh, but uh, this uh, Robinson person right here, where's number 343? Removed from the list. Ladies and gentlemen. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Poor grandma. For uh, some reason, Lizard Cheney is not talking about Luke Robinson in her show trial. Also on January 6, 2021, three Antifa domestic terrorists were stopped by police and lied about having a gun in their vehicle. These three Antifa terrorists who drove to Washington, D.C. on January 6 to cause chaos and violence were released and allowed to drive back home to Michigan that day despite lying to police about a firearm in their vehicle. Antifa member Leslie Grimes, I'm sure not related to Elon Musk's former girlfriend, was released despite lying to officers about the gun in her vehicle. Trump supporter Lonnie Kaufman was arrested and detained in prison for over a year for having guns in his vehicle on January 6th. And on Tuesday, the sham January 6th committee trotted out a surprise witness no one has ever heard of, lying Cassidy Hutchinson, who served as a senior aide to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, testified against Trump. Miss Lying Hutchinson on Tuesday testified that Trump was aware January 6th rally attendees had weapons and were wearing body armor. She had no proof of this. It was all hearsay. <clears throat> Lizard Cheney once again played a clip omitting pre President Trump's statement from the ellipse to peacefully and patriotically protest on January 6th, and Cheney wove a story to make it appear that Trump ordered his armed troops to the Capitol. Okay, so for some reason, the Antifa gun-toting girls and Luke Robinson were never brought up on charges. Very interesting, right? We have this ginger gunsman, Luke Robinson, not being held accountable for having a gun in the Capitol. And of course, the Antifa girls for having guns uh, in their vehicle. Pretty crazy, right? Uh, we got another one here, guys. This one's coming from the Epoch Times. Uh, exclusive police report proves plainclothes electronic surveillance unit members were embedded among the January 6th protesters. So some more debunks coming in for this event, ladies and gentlemen. Victoria, good to see you in the audience. Thank you for gifting the can. Cool Coffee Freedom Patriot. What a cool name. Thank you for gifting the can. Thank you for joining us live here at the Sea Report this evening. Good to see you again. Justice Song, Raven2000, also in the house. Good to see you again. Glad you're joining us this evening and uh, hanging out in the chat rooms. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got uh, we got a good body of uh, family and friends over at the Foxhole.app. If you want to get on that conversation, get yourself a free account over at the Foxhole.app. 
Let's take a look at this article from the Epoch Times. Again, uh, it says police uh, police reports prove Plains Clothes Electronic Surveillance Unit members were embedded among January 6th protesters. It says, while there's growing speculation that federal agents and Capitol Police were involved in instigating acts of violence during the January 6th, 2021 uh, Capitol riots, uh, false flags, protests, and recording responses for the purposes of entrapment, Evidence now proves that plainclothes members of a special electronic surveillance unit were embedded among the protesters for the purpose of conducting video surveillance. Evidence also points to a day of security deficiencies and police provocation for the purpose of entrapment. According to a report, First Amendment demonstrations issued January 3rd, 2021 by Chief of Police Robert Conti of the Metropolitan Police Department, Homeland Security Bureau Special Operations Division obtained exclusively by the Epoch Times, the MPD began to activate civil disturbance unit platoons on January 4th, 2021. Full activation of the 28 platoons were scheduled to occur on the following two days. So there we have a copy of the report. Metropolitan Police Department, Homeland Security Bureau, Special Operations Division, First Amendment demonstrations, uh, Radio Zone SD1-EVT, Monday, January 4th through Thursday, January 7th. This is from the Chief of Police, Robert J. Conti, and that's the cover page for the First Amendment demonstrations report that was obtained by the Epoch Times. It is according to the Department of Justice's website, a CDU is composed of law enforcement officers who are trained to respond to protests, demonstrations, and civil disturbances for the purpose of preventing violence, destruction of property, and unlawful interference with persons exercising their rights under law. The objective of MPD was to assist with the safe execution of any First Amendment demonstrations and ensure the safety of the participants public and the officers. CDU personnel and Special Operations Division members were to monitor for any demonstration and or violent activity and respond accordingly, according to the report. There has been speculation that federal agents and Capitol Police were involved in instigating acts of violence during the protests for the purpose of entrapment. As Red State reported in October 2021, Multiple surveillance videos show masked men opening up the doors to the U.S. Capitol building to allow protesters to enter. In fact, one video shows them entering while Capitol Police officers simply stand around. Yet, we have no idea who those men are. The covert cadre of provocateurs. On a December 7th, 2021 episode of Tucker Carlson Tonight, the attorney for several January 6th prisoners, Joseph McBride, identified a man tagged on the internet by so-called sedition hunters as Red Faced 45. The man dressed in red from head to toe, with uh, even his face painted red, appears in a video engaging in continuous dialogue with uniformed personnel and others who McBride insists are agents embedded in the crowd. 
McBride said the man is clearly a law enforcement officer. He passes out weapons, sledgehammers, poles, mace. Some of those things come in contact with some of the other protesters who have subsequently been charged with possessing dangerous weapons and are using dangerous weapons at the Capitol. That is clearly entrapment. That is clearly the government creating conditions of dangerousness and entrapping members of the crowd to possess weapons and possibly use them for reasons that we cannot comprehend. On January 13th, 2021, J. Michael Waller, senior analyst for strategy at the Center for Security Policy, published a first-hand account of his observations. Waller is also president of Georgetown Research, a political risk and private intelligence company in Washington, D.C., and was founding editorial board member of the NATO's peer-reviewed Defense Strategic Communications Journal, 2015-2018, and a senior analyst with Wikistrat. He is convinced people were embedded in the crowd to execute an organized operation planned well in advance of the January 6th joint session of Congress. According to Waller, a covert cadre of people were scattered throughout the crowd to encourage people toward the Capitol, including fake Trump protesters he suspected were Antifa wearing Trump or Make America Great Again hats backwards. The Epoch Times reported on January 1 that senior federal law enforcement officials refused to answer questions about an Arizona man named Ray Epps captured on video the day before the rally wearing a Trump hat repeatedly encouraging protesters to go into the Capitol the next day. Many were suspicious of him. Chants of Fed, Fed, Fed drown him out. On January 6th, he is seen telling the crowd, we are going to the Capitol. We are all of uh, where all of our problems are. Epps is also seen standing before a bike rack barricade, whispering into the ear of a protester wearing his Trump hat backwards. Moments later, that man is joined by others in tearing down the barricade. Epps is then seen running with the crowd toward the Capitol building. Despite the evidence, Epps has not had any charges filed against him, and his photo has been removed from the government's list of most wanted people from the event. Bobby Powell, host of the Truth is Viral podcast, has several videos exposing two men clad all in black whom he believes are FBI informants. They are seen breaking windows, attacking the Capitol building, and even pushing people inside. McBride finds it strange that these provocateurs, as he calls them, have yet to be charged despite their having a much more active role in the Capitol incident than some who were charged, including some individuals who never even set foot on Capitol grounds. Unknown to the public until now, the First Amendment demonstrations report also reveals that an undisclosed member of Plain Clothes MPDESU members were embedded into the crowd to document the actions of the demonstrators and the MPD's response to any civil disobedience or criminal activity. In 2016, the MPD purchased 2,800 body-worn cameras. It is unclear who the MPD ESU members were. However, they are never referred to as officers or police. Of the 37 specialized units listed as part of the MPD and ESU is not among them.
In order for other security personnel to recognize embedded ESU members among the protesters, they wore a specific bracelet on their left wrist identifying them as MPD personnel, the report stated. Apparently, these uh, members of the Metropolitan Police Department, MPD, the Electronic Surveillance Unit, wore June Gay Pride rainbow bracelets to signify that they were members of that unit, as you can see pictured on the screen. Because he did not assume the job as police chief until January 2nd, 2021, Waller believes Conti inherited rather than set up the ESU. However, Waller is confident this report raises a lot of questions. While it is admittedly an important type of unit to have in the nation's capital, electronic surveillance requires warrants, Waller told the Epoch Times. The word surveillance simply itself implies intrusive rather than passive monitoring of people, in which case it would be required for the police to get warrants to conduct electronic surveillance on people. What kind of warrants were asked for and under which jurisdiction were they issued? If not, why not? Are such warrants necessary for the type of surveillance this unit was doing, and how does it work? This raises a huge amount of questions about an entirely new kind of surveillance unit by the police chief of the nation's capital. Waller also said the reference to members of the unit as opposed to officers or agents is also very disturbing. While he said the rest of the memorandum sounds very disciplined in its language and specific that it does not identify officers as members of the electronic surveillance unit is very troubling. Are they using private contractors? Are they using political volunteers? Waller posed. Are using paid agents? Uh, are they using paid agents of different types? We don't know. This is something the public has a right to know, and we need to get to the bottom of it. If the D.C. police is running electronic surveillance on American citizens without warrants, this could be a various serious breach of our civil liberties. Very crazy, ladies and gentlemen. This is crazy. It says here, on October 29, 2021, a report by Politico exposed that a 17-page strategy report called the Civil Disturbance Unit Operational Plan showed that police made plans for plainclothes officers to monitor protesters and carry out five objectives. First objective, to provide an environment in which lawful First Amendment activity can be safely demonstrated. Their second objective, to prevent any adverse impact to the legislative process associated with unlawful demonstration activity. Third objective, to effectively mitigate actions associated with civil disorder, safely respond to crimes of violence and destruction slash defacing of property. Fourth objective, to safeguard and prevent any property damage directed at the United States Capitol, West Front inaugural platform, and all congressional buildings. And fifth objective, to establish and maintain a fixed march route while excluding access to counter-protesters to minimize potential for violent interactions. However, because the CDU was understaffed and unprepared, it failed in all its objectives. According to a 140-page report issued by then Capitol Police Inspector General Michael Bolton, no relation to Michael Bolton, the singer, 
review of the events surrounding the January 6, 2021 takeover of the United States Capitol, Capitol Police's CDU was ordered by supervisors not to use the department's most powerful tools, like stun guns. Bolton's report, which has not yet been widely released to the public, also contends heavier, less lethal weapons, including stun grenades, were not used that day because of orders from leadership. The CDU was given riot shields, many locked in a bus some distance away, that shattered upon impact. They had expired weapons that did not work and inadequate training. Bolton's report also noted that officials were warned in an intelligence assessment three days before the protest that the Stop the Steal's propensity to attract white supremacists, militia members, and others who actively promote violence may lead to a significantly dangerous situation for law enforcement and the general public alike, and that Congress itself is the target. However, reports surfaced that then-acting House Sergeant-at-Arms Timothy Blodgett sent a memo to lawmakers informing them that security officials found that there does not exist a known credible threat against Congress or the Capitol complex that warrants the temporary security fencing. Some Capitol Police officers were reportedly told to go home amid staffing shortages, reported Business Insider. According to the United States Capitol Police timeline of events for January 6, 2021, false flag attack, also obtained by the Epoch Times, the USCP, United States Capitol Police Deputy Chief Gallagher, replies to the Department of Defense via text on January 3, 2021, that a request for National Guard support is not forthcoming at this time after consultation with Chief of Police Stephen Sund. On January 4th, 2021, COP Sund, that again is Chief of Police Sund, asked Senate Sergeant-at-Arms Michael Stenger and House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving for authority to have National Guard to assist with security for the January 6th, 2021 event based on briefings with law enforcement partners and revised intelligence assessment. Chief of Police Sun's request is denied. SSAA and HSAA tells uh, Chief of Police Sun to contact General Walker at DC National Guard to discuss the Guard's ability to support a request if needed. Chief of Police Sun notifies General Walker of DC National Guard, indicating that the United States Capitol Police may need DC National Guard support for January 6, 2021, but does not have the authority to request it at this time. General Walker advises Chief of Police Sund that in the event of an un, of an authorized request, DC National Guard could quickly repurpose 125 troops helping to provide DC with COVID-related assistance. Troops would need to be sworn in as United States Capitol Police. However, the timeline shows it took over three hours and five frantic requests before the National Guard was deployed. I believe that as the reading of this article, ladies and gentlemen, it becomes more so imperative than not that Nancy Pelosi needs to be questioned as to why they turned down over 10,000 National Guardsmen to support the Capitol Police on January 6th. 
I'm sure all of you guys, if your jaw is not dropping to the floor like mine is right now, I don't know what else to think, guys. This is insane, okay? All right, debunking the J6 Unselect Committee false flag riot hearing. Uh, let's uh, finish up this article. During his opening remarks before two Senate committees on March 3rd, 2021, Walker told members of Congress he received a frantic call from Sund in the early afternoon advising that the security perimeter of the Capitol was being breached. However, military leaders informed him that deploying troops would not be good optics. During testimony before the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, Pyatt and Flynn denied making such comments. At the hearing, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene informed the committee three people were involved in turning down repeated requests for the deployment of the National Guard. Those people were Chuck E. Schumer in the Senate, Nancy Pelosi in the House, and Mayor of D.C. Muriel Bowser. Also involved are the SSA Stinger, uh, who answers directly to Schumer, and HSAA Irving, who answers directly to Pelosi. On January 22nd, 2021, reports began to surface with images of National Guard members who were forced to stay in nearby parking garages in near freezing temperatures, sparking outrage among lawmakers on both sides of the political aisle. In stark contradiction to then-acting House Sergeant-at-Arms Timothy Bloggett's assessment that no credible threat against Congress or the Capitol complex existed to warrant temporary security fencing, there are multiple admon admon admonishments in the First Amendment demonstration's report of the importance for the members to monitor the fence line and orders that all members were to monitor 16th Street and the surrounding area for any potential issues or demonstrations. Members assigned to the bicycle rack were ordered to restrict pedestrian and a vehicle movement upon making the closure of the police lines. The bicycle rack, in conjunction with police cars and blocking vehicles, will create a barrier in which no person or vehicle will be allowed to pass, the report said. However, video evidence shows police waving protesters past bike racks and even removing them to open a path to the restricted areas to encourage people to move toward the Capitol building. A March 2nd, 2021 United States Capitol Police report of investigation regarding the incident, also obtained by the Epoch Times, confirms that on Wednesday, January 6, 2021, an unknown officer violated U.S. CP Directive 2053.013 rules of conduct when they allegedly waved unauthorized persons into a restricted area secured by bike racks toward the U.S. Capitol during an insurrection. Evidence in the case included the video posted on Twitter dated 1621 and CCCTV or CCTV of the east front of the U.S. Capitol dated 1621. On Monday, February 1, 2021, then Office of Professional Responsibility Commander of the United States Capitol Police, Inspector Michael Schaefer, sent an email with the Twitter video of the unidentified officer to Inspectors Amy Hyman, Senate Division, and Thomas Lloyd, Capitol Division, Kimberly Bollinger, House Division, and Acting Inspector Jessica Bubles, Bab Babolis, Library Division, requesting assistance in identifying the UO. 
the unidentified officer. All parties responded to Schaefer that they were unable to identify the unidentified officer. The recommendation was that the report be approved and the case closed. On February 4, 2021, this case was put on hold pending a review by the U.S. Attorney's Office of Public Corruption. No further, further information is available. And finally, provocation and entrapment. In a June 10th interview with Epoch TV's Facts Matter, Julie Kelly, a political consultant in Illinois and senior contributor for American Greatness, described January 6, 2021 as an inside job and something Democrats and some Republicans and federal agencies put together to entice and entrap people who went to hear President Donald Trump's speech. She noted that the FBI used agents to try to infiltrate the so-called militia groups. Jeremy Brown exposed a video of FBI terrorist task force agents attempting to recruit him to spy on fellow Oath Keepers. The Department of Justice still won't answer questions about Ray Epps, an Arizona resident captured on video encouraging protesters to breach the Capitol building. Kelly also noted how Capitol Police used flashbangs, tear gas, and rubber bullets to inflame the crowd and provoke a lot of the confrontations seen in videos now being used as evidence to arrest, charge, and incarcerate those who attended the rally. More specifically, she accused Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser and Democrat Majority Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi of intentionally leaving Capitol grounds unsecured. She further alleged it was a setup designed specifically to cripple the Make America Great Again movement. While Bolton's report said heavier, less lethal weapons, including stun grenades, were not used that day because of orders from leadership, the Capitol Police timeline says United States Capitol Police personnel deployed munitions at the rotunda doors at 1645 hours, 445 p.m., where protesters were alleged to be pushing indoors and breaking windows. Three minutes later, USCP deployed chemical munitions on Lower West Terrace to disperse insurrectionists. Video footage found at Gateway Pundit shows flash grenades being launched by Capitol Police into the group of protesters consisting of women, children, and elderly people who were standing peacefully behind barriers. According to American Greatness, Capitol Police were also firing on the crowd with rubber bullets. The approximate time of the confrontation was around 1.36 p.m. However, the USCP timeline does not mention the deployment of these flash grenades. Another video, which still exists on TeaParty.org, was filmed by Cash Kelly from ground level where the flash grenades went off. Kelly is now himself in prison regarding pre-trial release violations regarding a previous charge and the subsequent charges related to his presence in Washington. It is shown ensuring the evacuation of women in the area where the flash grenades exploded. The police started shooting at people, Kelly says. They were, there were kids in the crowd. More extensive video footage analyzed by Ray Dietrich of Red Voice Media shows the beginning of violence on January 6th. An unidentified United States Capitol Police officer is seen repeatedly yelling down to the crowd, assembled peacefully below his position, advising that if they want to get a good picture, they should go up into the bleachers. The video shows the moment either stun grenades or tear gas canisters were deployed into the crowd of protesters, Dietrich says, as the video plays out. 
The question I have after a 20-year career in law enforcement is why were these munitions deployed? I've picked this video apart and many more and cannot see why the United States Capitol Police use this force against the crowd. There's no fighting and no violence, so why did they target these people with less lethal weapons? What happened next, Dietrich asks rhetorically, chaos, violence, the crowd fought back, the Capitol was breached. As the stunned crowd scurries in the attack, police can be seen spraying people in the face with pepper spray. In, other seg in another segment, three police officers are beating a protester who is being held on the ground in a measure that further escalates the tension. Police begin deploying tear gas into the already frantic crowd. In a course of 20 minutes, a once peaceful scene descends into total chaos. In June 2021, reports surfaced that the Justice Department had begun to release its own video footage, including footage from body-worn cameras that allegedly show assaults against police officers defending the United States Capitol. A summary of findings shows that evidence shows that until the deployment of munitions, the crowds were peaceful. Uh, MPD electronic surveillance unit members were embedded into the crowds to document the actions of the demonstrators and MPD's response to any civil disobedience or criminal activity. Of the 37 specialized units listed as part of the Metropolitan Police Department, an ESU unit is uh, not among them. The Capitol Police directed the Epoch Times to the Metropolitan Police Department for comment. What an insane article that was, ladies and gentlemen. What an insane article indeed. Man, talk about all of this information coming out that many of us are not, were not, I should say, privy to. Quite an insane article. Man, a lot of questions, guys. And it's clearly plain to see why people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck E. Schumer should be held to some kind of account for the lack of security on January 6th. Again, ladies and gentlemen, just blowing the lid off of this J6 unselect committee shim sham flim flam hearing on the false flag capital riots that occurred on January 6th. All right. Thank you for the uh, cookie cool freedom patriot. Much appreciated. And you have a great night as you uh, go off into that quiet night, my friend. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Whew, what, a, what a report that was. Let me tell you what, guys, what a report that was to get through. Uh, definitely gives us something to think about. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, definitely gives us something to think about. All right, guys, we are coming up, it looks like, on hour number two. Uh, I guess we're going to get into a little bit about the Supreme Court next as we uh, continue on tonight's episode of the Report. I hope you guys are having a great time out there. I hope you guys are enjoying the information that we are sharing with you all and exposing, debunking, and uh, otherwise wading through the deception that um, is coming out of this J6 Unselect Committee, guys. Uh, and indeed, uh, it's definitely uh, something that we should uh, pay attention to, I would say, as we move along into, um, into uh, you know, 
uh, into, uh, you know, the, the hallmarks of truth and the threshold of uh, the threshold of honesty, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, as uh, President Trump might say, when we're talking about uh, all of these uh, witch hunts, right, and all of these um, uh, shim-sham, flim-flam uh, hearings that they have, it's just, you know, they are just forever reaching, ladies and gentlemen. They are forever desperate, to uh, to uh, a gaslight, pigeonhole, whatever you want to say about it. They're forever desperate just to get President Trump. We know it's just to keep him from running again or from returning to office as he rightfully should. It's just uh, when it comes to uh, the likes of the January 6th Unselect Committee and everyone that was involved in the impeachment proce- impeachment proceedings and the Russia collusion, it is just story after story after story, ladies and gentlemen. Story after 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 story. I won. I won. I told him. I said, I won. We had Hillary Clinton. What the hell is she doing? I won't but but TV, open the newspapers, and I see stories of Trump. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. Okay, guys, I just uh, took advantage of that time to uh, reset my clock, okay, as we get into tonight's final uh, story after story after story after story. Do you guys like that? That's a uh, that's a classic one from Place Boing. Uh, for those of you who may not remember, actually incorporating that into the C report, huh? What a thing to do, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, all right. Let's get into the Supreme Court. What you guys got to say? Tam Grawl says I think Thomas is now the lead judge. Right, he's probably the head judge there. He'll probably be the last one standing, I would imagine. 
you know, once certain events and things take place. In the field of uh, SCOTUS gate. Anyhow, okay. So let's talk a little bit about the Supreme Court, guys. Uh, they've been making moves, ladies and gentlemen. I would say they've been making moves that are definitely pissing off the left. Uh, it's making them angry. It's just, it's making the left want to say something that goes um, a little bit like this. I hate the Supreme Court! <laughs> I just love that, okay? <laughs> as long as I'm doing stories about the Supreme Court, I'll always be able to play that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, goodness me, oh my. Okay, so um, let's see uh, what is it that we have coming across. I believe we're starting this with... Um, yes, we're starting this off with a legacy news report, ladies and gentlemen. So you guys can get a clear idea of what the people are saying out there about the Supreme Court. Um, let's see here. Let's pull that article up on the screen for you guys. Historically unpopular Supreme Court. Historically unpopular decisions. Wah, wah, wah. Right? They just cannot seem to agree with anything the Supreme Court says. Uh, this coming from the AP says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Hi. yeah, okay, good. I'm, I'm just love it when that plays. Okay. It says, uh, this week, uh, the U S Supreme court delivered its most controversial decision in at least a decade. The unpopular, according to national polling ruling to overturn the landmark Roe v. Wade decision that established a constitutional right to an abortion may a constitutional right, whatever, uh, may have major electoral consequences in this year's midterm elections. CNN's Harry Enten covered the political impact in part in a prior column, but the court's actions in this case may do something more than just affect the elections this year. The Supreme Court's own reputation is at stake and the decisions to get rid of Roe v. Wade and to upset the status quo comes at a very sensitive time for the justices in a different court, the one of public opinion. Right, like that matters, right? And that's where we'll start our look at the news of the week through numbers. The Supreme Court is historically unpopular. Hmm, I wonder why. The Supreme Court is not elected by the voters. A lot of people agree, though, that it's important that the court maintains its legitimacy in the eyes of the public. After all, the court relies on others to enforce its own rulings. The high court's legitimacy in the public's mind was already at very low levels, and that was before the overturning of Roe, something most Americans did not want, according to this article. 41% of voters approved of the job the Supreme Court was doing, according to a May Quinnipiac University poll. The majority, 52%, disapproved. That was the highest approval, uh, the highest disapproval rating recorded by Quinnipiac, or Quinnipiac uh, since it started asking about the court's approval back in 2004. The court standing is a reversal from where things were two years ago, when 52% of the voters approved and 37% disapproved. Uh, Quinnipiac isn't the only pollster to show a major degradation in the court standing. The percentage of Americans, that's 25%, who have great or uh, qu quite a lot of confidence in the court is at the lowest level 
ever recorded by Gallup since 1973. The slide can primarily be contributed or attributed to Democrats. Today, 78% of Democrats disapprove of the job the court is doing, according to Quinnipiac. In 2020, just 43% did. Republican disapproval of the court has declined from 38% two years ago to 28% now. The reason the public and Democrats have turned against the Supreme Court is pretty clear. It's been seen as increasingly political and issuing decisions that are not popular. The aforementioned Quinnipiac poll show that a mere 34% of voters believe the court is mainly motivated by the law. Most, at 62%, felt that the Supreme Court is mainly motivated by politics. Four years ago, the split was far more even, with 50% believing the court was mainly motivated by politics and 42% saying it was mainly motivated by the law. Again, this trend is driven by Democrats, so no one really cares, right? 86% of them told Quinnipiac the court is mainly motivated by politics. That's up from 60% in 2018. Republicans who said the same had barely changed from 46 in 2018 to 42% now. It would be one thing if the court was seen as activist and making popular rulings, but it's not. Uh, both the Gallup and Quinnipiac polls were taken after word leaked in uh, May that the court was on the precipice of overturning Roe. Americans agreed with the 1973 Roe ruling. A May NBC News poll found that 63% did not want Roe overturned. Indeed, every poll Enton knows of has shown a clear majority of Americans in favor of Roe. Uh, this has pretty much always been the case going back to 1973 when 52% favored the decision in a poll by Lewis, Harris, and Associates. Indeed, Enton is not sure he can recall another controversial and consequential Supreme Court ruling or decision that was this unpopular. Polls found a split public when the court mostly upheld the Affordable Care Act. Of course they found a split public, right? They are probably polling um, uh, Democrats far higher or progressives, Democrats, communists. They're probably polling those far higher than they are conservatives. Anyhow, uh, it says here a majority of Americans, 54%, were in favor of the court stopping the hand recount in Florida that effectively ended the 2000 presidential election between George W. Bush and Al Gore, according to a CBS News poll at the time. And it says here also a majority, 55%, also approved of the court's decision to desegregate public schools in 1954's Brown versus the Board of Education. One could argue that the Supreme Court has done in overturn uh, what the Supreme Court has done in overturning is unprecedented from a public opinion point of view. What effect it will ultimately have, however, is yet to be determined. Well, I would probably say that, uh, you know, it's going to be just a whole lot harder for Satanists and, uh, you know, pagans. Uh, well, I, I guess I can't fairly use the word pagan. I've been uh, counseled on that before. But, you know, devil worshippers to get access to babies and their body parts and their blood, etc., so, yeah. So let's take a little bit of a look at some of the rulings that the Supreme Court has doled out in the past weeks or so. 
and also some of the rulings that are forthcoming, okay? Uh, now, uh, in the past week to two weeks, we've had rulings on abortions, guns, and religion in schools, okay? Uh, upcoming is still some climate change type of decisions, and even some that may look into states' powers over elections. Ah, very interesting, huh? So uh, this one here kind of gives us a little bit uh, to wet our whistle with. Let's take a look at what this has to say. Abortions, guns, school prayers, climate change decisions due from Supreme Court starting on Tuesday. Uh, the nation's highest court is ready to issue its remaining opinion starting today as the justices work with little time to wrap up several significant cases before the traditional end of their season. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start, Justice Samuel Alito wrote in a leaked draft opinion that stunned the legal system in February. The memo was surprising not just in its release, the Supreme Court is notoriously tight-lipped, but in the scale of its ruling. The case before the court, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, deals with a Mississippi law setting a 15-week abortion ban, but attorneys arguing the case have said that Roe v. Wade, the 1973 case legalizing abortion nationally, should be overturned entirely. The court appears prepared to comply, it seems, after Chief Justice John Roberts confirmed the authenticity of the leaked draft. If they do, about half the country will see abortion made illegal. Uh, Roe's removal from legal precedent would likely have little impact in Massachusetts, according to the Center for Reproductive Rights. Abortion will remain legal in Massachusetts. The Massachusetts Supreme Court has recognized the rights to abortion under the state's constitution. And in 2021, Massachusetts passed comprehensive abortion rights legislation, the group said following the leaked draft. The court has scheduled two remaining decisions, uh, decision days according to their published calendar just Tuesday and Thursday. And Roberts has traditionally tried to wrap the court's business before the end of June. There are currently, there are currently, including Dobbs, 18 cases pending a published decision. The court does not say in advance which decisions they will release when. Another case before the court, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin, stems from two men challenging the gun licensing laws in that state. In the first Second Amendment matter, uh, con it is the first Second Amendment matter considered by the court in a decade. That case could have a direct impact in Massachusetts, which structures the issuance of firearms permits in a manner similar to New York on a May issue basis. During November arguments, the court's conservative majority seemed to indicate they would side with the plaintiffs, with Alito noting a night shift worker in New York City may be fearful of their evening commute, but still not able to demonstrate the proper cause for carrying. How is that consistent with the core right to self-defense, which is protected by the Second Amendment, he asked. The court in April heard arguments regarding Kennedy v. Bremerton School District, a case dealing with the expression of religion at public schools. In that case, a Washington high school football coach was fired for his practice of leading the team in a post-game prayer, with school officials saying it violated the court's decision in Lee v. Wiseman prohibiting school prayer. That case, if decided in favor of the coach, could see a weakening of restrictions on religious practice in 
schools, specifically outlawed by Lee. West Virginia v. Environmental Protection Agency, a case regarding the government's ability to restrict carbon emission, is also due for decision. If decided for the plaintiffs, it would restrict the EPA's authority to limit tailpipe emissions or force electric companies to move to renewables and away from fossil fuels. It would also remove the federal government's ability to consider the economic impacts associated with climate change when approving new pipelines or new environmental rules. So very interesting those, ladies and gentlemen. I think when we're considering uh, what the Supreme Court has been ruling on. Now, we know already the Supreme Court has ruled on abortions, the guns, and the school prayer. So we'll go ahead and recap that right quick, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the next article. And this has to do with um, uh, the ruling regarding the uh, prayers and the football coach. Looks like we're booted over at the foxholeandpill.net. Uh, well, hopefully uh, you guys will be able to join us. It is the 9 o'clock hour, so you have your heavy, hit, heavy, heavy hitters joining uh, the fray over there at the foxhole.app. But uh, needless to say, if I get booted, my audience will go scurrying to the rest of the audiences on that platform. And uh, hopefully they don't forget we're still live. Okay. All right. So carrying on with the broadcast... Uh, it says here in this article, this is coming to us from, um, this looks like a uh, mainstream media legacy outlet. Let me go ahead and pop it back on. Oh, it looks like we're back. Okay. Oh, we're back. Okay. Okay. We are back. Let's see if the audience recovers. Okay. All right. Cool. So it says here, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to permit a high school football coach to pray on the field after games is expected to reopen a vigorous and probably tense debate among parents, educators, and others over how far religion can enter public school grounds, California education and legal experts said on Monday. The conservatives and some Christian leaders praised the court's action, saying it allowed for the personal religious expression of the coach and those who voluntarily followed him a reasonable accommodation to religious and free speech rights. But civil libertarians and many educators said allowing a coach or any other school authority figure to lead a prayer amounted to the kind of establishment of religion that the Constitution forbids. The court has opened the door to prayer in schools more than, than at any time in the last 60 years, said Erwin er, Chemerinsky, a constitutional law expert and dean of the law school at UC Berkeley. There will be much litigation, and it is not at all clear where the court will draw the line. A 60-year-old decision by the high court to bar an official prayer in New York schools had created a bright line for school officials that practices and policies on campus should have strictly secular purposes. Monday's ruling has blurred that line and will invite additional challenges by those who want more room for religious expression in schools, said John Rogers, a professor of education at UCLA and an expert in training school administrators. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, this is a legacy outlet uh, article, so that's why uh, you're going to have to, um, you know, grain that up with some salt, because clearly they have a bias when we're talking about this topic. 
One of the results of this decision is that it probably is going to open up more conflicts in school, Rogers said. It's probably going to create more challenges for principals and other district leaders as new efforts are made to bring religion into the space of public schools in some school settings. Religious minorities or people who are not affiliated with religion are going to feel some sense of compulsion or some sense of silencing or alienation. Monday's decision came in the case of Joe Kennedy, an assistant coach at Bremerton High School in Washington State. Kennedy began kneeling by himself on the 50-yard line after games to pray, though the session soon became highly publicized and drew crowds of players and spectators to the field. When the prayers became a public event, school officials warned the coach that they could be seen as violating the Constitution's ban on an establishment of religion. You know, I really got to say that that entire banning of religion and government and etc. has really been blown out of proportion. I mean, it's not... That's not what they meant by separation of church and state. I'm sure everyone gathers, ladies and gentlemen, that you can't have prayer in school or prayer at work. And, and, if, and if so, why is it that we make accommodations for religions that are not uh, Judeo-Christian or Judeo-Christian um, um, type of religions? You know, why do we make exceptions for every other religion uh, except for those that pertain to Christianity or Catholicism? You know, it makes no sense. So... Anyhow, it says Kennedy was suspended when he refused to follow the district's guidance. He was not rehired for the next year. Uh, lower courts ruled against Kennedy, but the conservative majority on the uh, Supreme Court found that the coach's prayers were protected under two other provisions of the First Amendment, the Free Speech Clause and the Free Exercise of Religion Clause. The Constitution and the best of our traditions counsel mutual respect and tolerance, not censorship and suppression, for religious and non-religious views alike, Justice Neil M. Gorsuch wrote for the 6-3 majority. The court's action spurred a lively discussion Monday on a Facebook group for parents who support teachers in the Los Angeles Unified School District and are generally aligned with their union. One parent cheered the protection of Kennedy's free speech and religious freedom rights saying that the coach never forced others to join in the prayer session. But several other parents objected, saying that prayers and players and students could feel ridiculed or excluded if they were in the minority who did not join in the prayers. Other parents wondered how receptive the high court would have been to the freedom uh, arguments if the coach in question had been a Muslim who placed a prayer rug at midfield and bowed in prayers to Allah. I don't know if the Supreme Court would take a decision this far if it was another religion besides Christianity, said Tracy Abbott Cook, one of the parents in the discussion group. And why does this coach have to bring religion into this moment in public? Maybe people want a break from religion and politics when they go to a sporting event. Why muck it up? Los Angeles Schools um, Superintendent Alberto M. Carvalho, or Car Car Carvalho, said the district's policy already made clear that employees are allowed to pray, but on their own time and in their own place. The district forbids prayers that would make students feel compelled to join, Carvalho said. Um, but even in the nation's second largest school district, it seemed apparent those guidelines are not uniformly followed. Football coaches at three high LA unified schools said they were aware of rules requiring separation of religion and school functions, though they said players would sometimes informally lead prayers, sometimes in small groups.
Stefan Johnson, football coach at Dorsey High, said he regularly leads prayers just before and after games. I'm just praying for their comfort, praying for injury-free, praying for other teams so they that they can travel safely, said Johnson, who said he finds the practice brings players comfort. He said he references God in his prayers but considers it a universal term and that Muslim prayer, Muslim players and coaches participated in their manner. Uh, Carvalho said that he would have to know details about the Dorsey High prayer sessions, but that they sounded inconsistent with the district's policy. Ken Williams, an Orange County Board of Education trustee, applauded the court for its ruling, saying that the celebration of religious diversity and expressions of faith are central to the American identity. I totally understand that you cannot force someone to pray or believe in the same things that I believe in, said Williams, a Christian. I think that's very American, but I also think religion is important. This nation was founded by men of religious faith. In the Central Valley's Clovis Unified School District, board member Stephen Fogg said he would support a change in policy to allow teachers and coaches to lead prayers at athletic events. The district previously allowed only students to lead prayers. The district had for years opened school board meetings with a prayer, a routine discontinued after a federal appeals court ruled against the practice in 2018 in a case involving um, a school board in Chino Valley. But lawyers who had argued against organized prayer on school grounds said the practice tends to become coercive and exclusionary when it is led by coaches and other authority figures. The ACLU of Washington noted that one of Kennedy's players participated in the prayer against his own beliefs for fear of losing playing time if he declined. This decision strains the separation of church and state, a bedrock principle of our democracy and potentially harms our youth, said Taryn Darling, senior staff attorney for the ACLU of Washington. I'm pretty sure that when the founding fathers said separation of church and state, they meant that we are not a theocracy. Okay, not that you can't pray at school or you can't pray to open up a government city public meeting. We are not a theocracy, separation of church and state. Not you can't pray for the well-being of players traveling to uh, compete in a sports competition. I mean, come on. Anyways, okay, so... All right, let's finish up this article. It says, uh, Monday's decisions did not overturn previous court rulings that forbid more direct intrusion of religion into the curriculum and the school day. In 1962, the high court ruled in Engel versus Vitale that the Board of Regents of New York would not or could not impose a prayer on students. The court turned down the proposal from the New York educators, uh, even though they argued their one-sentence prayer was non-denominational. Justice Hugh Black found that the mere introduction of the prayer, Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country, amen, was by its very nature sufficient to constitute an illegal establishment of religion, even if participation in the prayer was not overtly coerced. 
In subsequent decades, the Supreme Court would uh, reject an Alabama law permitting a minute of a minute of prayer or meditation during the school day and prohibited prayers led by religious leaders at school graduation ceremonies. In 2000, the court also rejected a Texas school board's policy that allowed students to decide by majority vote whether to have a student-led invocation at football games, graduations, and other school gatherings. The religious liberty protected by the Constitution is abridged when the state affirmatively sponsors the particular religious practice of prayer, Justice John Paul Stevens said in the 6-3 opinion, nixing the school prayer plan. Stephen Breyer is the only justice remaining on the court who concurred in that opinion, and he is set to retire this summer. Bye-bye, Breyer! Because we got Contanja Brown Jackson coming in. Everyone knows Contanja Brown Jackson. She's okay with uh, uh, people who peddle pedophilia. She'll probably have uh, no problem nixing any type of uh, religion in school type of thing, guys. And that is that. So that's where we stand with the uh, ruling as per... Uh, religion in school. So, you know, there is another good thing happening there, guys. Uh, looks like um, yeah, they might, we might be seeing prayers returning to public schools. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, I guess, from state to Supreme Court, right? Let's take a look at the Supreme Court's ruling that strengthens the Second Amendment. This is coming from PJ Media. Supreme Court issues landmark ruling solidifying gun rights. Sounds exciting. The Supreme Court on Thursday issued a 6-3 decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin, expanding gun rights for the first time in more than a decade. The majority opinion authored by Justice Clarence Thomas held that New York's proper cause requirements for obtaining a concealed carry license violated constitu constitution violated the constitution because it prevents law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms new york's restrictions enacted more than a hundred years ago required those who wish to carry a concealed weapon for self-defense to show proper cause rather than have a presumption of the right to carry. Similar laws exist in Massachusetts, Hawaii, New Jersey, Maryland, and California, where this ruling will have a huge ripple effect. Chief Justice John Roberts and Associate Justices Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett join the majority with Justice Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan dissenting. The constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense is not a second-class right, subject to an entirely different body of rules than, uh, other, than the other Bill of Rights guarantees, Thomas wrote in the opinion. The exercise of other constitutional rights does not require individuals to demonstrate to government officers some special need. The Second Amendment right to carry arms in public for self-defense is no different. New York's proper cause requirements violates the 14th Amendment by preventing law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their rights to keep and bear arms in public. In a footnote, Thomas added that nothing in our analysis should be interpreted to suggest the unconstitutionality of the 43 states 
shall issue licensing regimes uh, under which a general de desire for self-defense is sufficient to obtain a permit. Because these licensing regimes or regimens, no regimes, do not require applicants to show an atypical need for armed self-defense, they do not necessarily prevent law-abiding responsible citizens from exercising their Second Amendment rights to public carry, he explained. Rather, it appears that these shall issue regimes um, which often require applicants to undergo a background check or pass a firearm safety course are designed to ensure only that those bearing arms in the jurisdiction are, in fact, law-abiding, responsible citizens. Thomas pointed out that because any permitting scheme can be put toward abusive ends, we do not rule out constitutional challenges to shall-issue regimes, where, for example, lengthy wait times in processing license applications or exorbitant fees deny ordinary citizens their right to public carry. In his dissent, Justice Stephen Breyer wrote, many states have tried to address some of the dangers of gun violence by passing laws that limit in various ways who may purchase, carry, or use firearms of different kinds. The court today severely burdens states' efforts to do so. This That's a good thing that this stupid buyer is being replaced by Contagia Brown Jackson, right? It's a good thing. Sherry M says Jackson can't be a justice. She can't protect women's rights because she does not know what a woman is. It is true. It is true. Welcome to the audience, Sherry M. Glad to have you. Justice Alito rebuked the court's liberal justices in his scathing concurrence. Why, for example, does the dissent think it is relevant to recount the mass shootings that have occurred in recent years? Does the dissent think that laws like New York's prevent or deters such atrocities? Will a person bent on carrying out a mass shooting be stopped if he knows that it is illegal to carry a handgun outside the home? And how does the dissent account for the fact that one of the mass shootings near the top of its list took place in Buffalo? The New York law at issue in this case obviously did not stop that perpetrator. What is the relevance of statistics about the use of guns to commit suicide? See post at five to six. Does the dissent think that a lot of people who possess guns in their homes will be stopped or deterred from shooting themselves if they cannot lawfully take them outside? The dissent cites statistics about the use of guns in domestic disputes. See post at five. But it does not explain why these statistics are relevant to the question presented in this case. How many of the cases involving the use of a gun in a domestic dispute occur outside the home? And how many are prevented by laws like New York's? The police cannot disarm every person who acquires a gun for use in criminal activity, nor can they provide bodyguard protection for the state's nearly 20 million residents or the 8.8 .8 million people who live in New York City. Some of these people live in high crime neighborhoods. Some must traverse dark and dangerous streets in order to reach their homes after work or other evening activities. Some are members of groups whose members feel especially vulnerable. And some of these people reasonably live, uh, reasonably believe that unless they can brandish or, if necessary, use a handgun in the case of attack, they may be murdered, raped, or suffer some other serious injury. 
Alito added, and while the scent seemingly thinks that the ubiquity of guns and our country's high level of gun violence provide reason for sustaining the New York law, the dissent appears to not understand that it is these very facts that cause law-abiding citizens to feel the need to carry a gun for self-defense. That may be the most common sense comment on guns we've heard in a very long time. Today is a very good day for the rights of citizens to protect themselves. Great article out of PJ Media. Excellent to hear that um, that uh, concurrent um, um, uh, rebuke of uh, Justice Stephen Breyer's dissent. Wouldn't you guys say so? I would definitely say so, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's take a look now at the historic ruling on the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And uh, let's see how striking down this uh, abortion litigation sets its own precedent. I think this comes from the Epoch Times, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, yep, yep. The Epoch Times. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Supreme Court on June 24th overturned Roe v. Wade, the seminal 1973 precedent that largely legalized abortion in the United States. The court, in a 6-3 ruling powered by its conservative majority, upheld a Mississippi law that bans abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy and to overturn Roe. Chief Justice John Roberts concurred with the court's conservatives, but argued that he would have upheld the Mississippi law without taking the additional step of erasing the Roe precedent altogether. The 116-page ruling also reversed the 1992 companion precedent known as Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which held that states can't impose significant restrictions on abortion before a fetus becomes viable for life outside the womb. The Casey ruling did not specify when visibility occurs, but suggested it was somewhere around the 24-week gestation mark. The June 24th ruling came in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, court filing 19-1392. In the case, the only state-licensed abortion clinic in Mississippi opposed the state's Gestational Age Act, which allows abortion after 15 weeks of gestation only for medical emergencies or severe fetal abnormality. Citing Roe, lower courts had held that the state statute was unconstitutional. Politico published the draft document dated February 10th on May 2nd without disclosing its source. The tight-lipped court is investigating the leak, but details of the ongoing probe are few and far between. Justice Samuel Alito wrote the majority opinion. The three dissenting justices, Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan, took the unusual step of issuing a three-way joint dissent. Alito explained in the court's opinion why the majority believes Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided 49 years ago. Abortion presents a profound moral issue on which Americans hold sharply conflicting views, he wrote. Some believe fervently that a human person comes into being at conception and that abortion ends an innocent life.
Others feel just as strongly that any regulation of abortion invades a woman's right to control her own body and prevents women from achieving full equality. Still, others in a third group think that abortion should be allowed under some but not all circumstances, and those within this group hold a variety of views about the particular restrictions that should be imposed. For the first 185 years after the United States Constitution was adopted, each state was permitted to address this issue in accordance with the views of its citizens. But then, in 1973, the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade. Despite the uh, fact that the Constitution does not mention abortion, the court found that it confers a broad right to obtain one. The court made no claim that American law or the common law had ever recognized such a right, and its survey of history ranged from the constitutionally irrelevant, an example, uh, its discussion of abortion in antiquity, to the plainly incorrect, an example, its assertion that abortion was probably never a crime under the common law, Alito wrote. After cataloging a wealth of other information having no bearing on the meaning of the Constitution, the opinion concluded with a numbered set of rules much like those that might be found in a statute enacted by a legislature. The court created a scheme in which each trimester of pregnancy was regulated differently, but the most critical line was drawn at roughly the end of the second trimester, which, at the time, corresponded to the point at which a fetus was thought to achieve viability or the ability to survive outside the womb. Even though the court acknowledged that states had a legitimate interest in protecting potential life, Alito wrote, it determined that this interest did not justify imposing any restrictions on abortions in the pre-viability stage. The court offered no explanation for this finding, which even abortion supporters have been hard-pressed to defend. Alito noted that one high-profile constitutional scholar, John Hart Eli, wrote that he would vote for a statute very much like the one the court ended up drafting had he, uh, had he been a legislator, but in his view, Roe was not constitutional law at all and gave almost no sense of an obligation to try to be. Alito pointed to the dissenting opinion of Justice Byron White, who wrote that Roe v. Wade represented the exercise of raw judicial power. Alito added that the decision sparked a national controversy that has embittered our political culture for half a century. In the three-way dissent, Brian Kagan and Sotomayor lambasted the new majority opinion, it says that from the very moment of fertilization, a woman has no rights to speak of. A state can force her to bring a pregnancy to term even at the steepest personal and familial cost, costs, the justices wrote. An abortion restriction, the majority holds, is permissible whenever rational, the lowest level of scrutiny known to the law. And because, as the court has often stated, protecting fetal life is rational, states will feel free to enact all manner of restrictions. Looks like they had a correction here also that said a previously uh, previous version of this article incorrectly stated the vote tally on the question of overturning Roe v. Wade. The tally was five to four to overturn Roe. Chief John Roberts agreed with the three liberal justices who voted against reversing Roe, but also agreed with the majority that the Mississippi abortion law should be upheld. So it's five to four.
not six to three. Oh wait, the the incorrect version said five to four, right? Yeah. Okay. Very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very interesting. All I'm trying to do here is give some explanation context to all of these Supreme Court rulings that have happened in the last two weeks, okay? Uh, since I haven't covered that here at the C Report, I thought, uh, uh, you know, well, you know, we got to cover these stories, right? We have to cover these stories. They're very important uh, for their historical and for their impact on, uh, you know, uh, what we do here as members of the conservative, patriotic, awake American, America First movement, and some of our core beliefs. But now check this out, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it's just as I was having this um, conversation with someone in Twitch one night, uh, had nothing to do with the topic at hand, right? We were talking about the gay agenda, and they're talking about abortion, to which I was like, well, you know what? Uh, gays have no right to say anything about abortion, especially if they're gay men, right? In a, in a gay male relationship, you know, you, you, they have no seat at the table, period. Anyways, so um, uh, was telling, well, you know, it goes back to the states, right? It goes back to the states. So it's not as if though abortion were totally abolished, right? So you'll still have those states that will allow abortion, you know, and will allow uh, that type of activity to activity to occur. But check this out, ladies and gentlemen, check this one out. According to uh, Darth Lloyd Austin, um, the um, Roe v. Wade overturned by the Supreme Court will not affect the Pentagon's ability for uh, service members to use military facilities to conduct abortions. Can you guys believe this joke? Look at this piece of crap joke, Darth Lloyd Austin, right? Yeah, yeah, send all of our money and our military goods to Ukraine. Go ahead. Turn all of our service members into uh, half male, half female mongoloids. Go ahead, Darth, Darth Lloyd Austin. And now let's continue to have the flow of baby's blood within the Pentagon medical facilities. Is that not just disgusting, ladies and gentlemen? Let's take a look at the article. Let's take a look at it. Oh, the Pentagon on Tuesday said that last week's Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade won't impact service members, spouses, and dependents who use military treatment facilities. The memo sent by Gil Cisneros, the Undersecretary of Defense for Personnel and Readiness, came in response to Friday's Supreme Court ruling that overturned the 1973 decision in Roe v. Wade that had guaranteed abortion rights under the Constitution. Cisneros said that facilities on military bases are federal facilities and they won't change how they operate. The military will continue providing abortions in cases of rape, incest, or when the mother's life is at risk. Oh, well, you know what? A lot of states don't disagree with that anyways, right? Federal law prohibits the Pentagon from performing or paying for other types of abortions, the memo states. Okay, well, you know what? I don't got, uh, you know, I mean, come on. Anyways, okay. States may not impose criminal or civil liability on federal employees who perform their duties in a manner authorized by federal law, and the Defense Department will ensure access to counsel for civilians and service members if needed. 
The memo said, Service members will still be granted leave to travel to receive an abortion, and in some cases, the U.S. government will pay for that travel. Defense Secretary Darth Lloyd Austin issued a statement shortly after the Supreme Court released his decision, saying that the Defense Department was looking into its policies to ensure the continuity of reproductive health care. But of course, they also considered trans surgery to be reproductive health care. I am committed to taking care of our people and ensuring that they can get their genitals chopped off and removed and uh, fake ones built if necessary and to ensure the readiness and resilience of our force, he said on Friday. The department is examining this decision closely and evaluating our policies to ensure we continue to provide seamlessness access to reproductive health care as permitted by federal law, including chopping off our genitals and building fake ones when necessary, said Darth Lloyd Austin. I know, right, ladies and gentlemen, it's like wah, wah, wah. <laughs> oh, Darth Lloyd Austin. Still, should the federal government uh, be able to use our taxpayer money for such activities if we don't agree with them? That is my argument right there, ladies and gentlemen. That is my argument right there. All right, so there's a case in short, a view in short, I should say, about some of these, um, um, uh, some of these, uh, 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 pardon me, disappearing half off the screen. Uh, some of these uh, cases that the Supreme Court has overlooked. The Supreme Court, however, is continuing to make moves that are angering the left and progressives and Democrats who are way left-leaning, etc., a uh, couple of more stories for you guys tonight, and we will call it a wrap. Let's take a brief look at the carbon emissions ruling, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Uh, the ruling consider concerning climate action, okay? Because uh, this is one that's definitely going to piss off uh, the left, ladies and gentlemen, and progressives. If, uh, if um, uh, federal government can no longer make any type of climate action or climate change rulings, oh, is this going to piss them off? How do you think they're going to rule, guys? How do you think they're going to rule, ladies and gentlemen? Let's find out what it's all about. What to know about the imminent Supreme Court ruling that could doom United States climate action. This is a How You Say Legacy outlet article. So uh, get your salt ready. Get your salt ready, ladies and gentlemen. It says here, after the seismic ruling of the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade and strike down 50 years of constitutional abortion protections, again, legacy media outlet publication, the justices are set to imminently decide in another massively consequential, if lesser known, case. It is likely that the court will deliver an announcement this week in the case known as West Virginia vs. Environmental Protection Agency. The issue at hand is whether the federal government has the authority to regulate greenhouse gas emissions from existing coal-fired power plants under the 1970 Clean Air Act, but could also impact its ability to tackle the climate crisis more broadly. 
President-select Joe Biden has pledged to take aggressive action on the ever-worsening impacts of rising global heat and promised to decarbonize. So by decarbonizing, that means he's going to destroy all of the forests and jungles. He's going to get rid of all of the human beings, right? Because we're all carbon-based, right? And they, we, we what, exhale carbon and, uh, you know, plants breathe carbon, right? Or they exhale, yeah, anyways, you guys know what I mean. Anyways, so, well, you know what? We already know that's in the globalist's plan, right? To get rid of all humans and to chop down all the forests. Anyways, so we're, he's going to decarbonize, okay, the U.S. electric grid by 2035 as part of plans to slash domestic emissions. Uh, signed in 1970 by Republican President Richard Nixon, the landmark Clean Air Act prevented more than 200,000 premature deaths linked to air pollution in its first 20 years. I'd like to know where those studies came from. From 1990 to 2010, total emissions of the six principal air pollutants decreased by more than 41%. The EPA also noted... Should the Supreme Court rule that EPA does not have broad authority to regulate emissions and issue an expansive ruling in favor of West Virginia, it would deal an enormous blow to the U.S.'s near and long-term emission, longer-term emissions reduction goals and, by extension, our planet's climate, says Dr. Christine Dahl a senior climate scientist who is just a moron with the nonprofit Union of Concerned Scientists, told The Independent in February. That would be disastrous, this moron wrote in an email, but such a ruling could also set a dangerous precedent that hampers the authority of federal agencies to responsibly develop and modify regulations based on evolving science. Taking away federal agencies' authorities would put the health and safety of our air, our water, our food, our bodies, the ecosystems around us, and much more under threat. Coal is the dirtiest, most carbon-intensive fossil fuels. Okay, okay, okay. Let's pump the brakes on this legacy media outlet article. The United States releases nothing but clean coal carbon emissions, okay? We have the cleanest coal this side of the Christmas chimney, ladies and gentlemen. Whereas what? India, Mexico, China, they continue to pour out dirty coal emissions like nobody's business. They don't get fined for it. The Paris Accords is like, oh yeah, go ahead, China. Go ahead, Mexico. Go ahead, India. Continue carry on with your dirty coal emissions. Whereas the United States has the most intense regulations on clean coal emissions. Let's not forget electricity comes from coal also, and yet they want us to have what? Electric cars every everywhere in this world, and yet you use coal and electricity in order to get those cars fueled up? I mean, it makes no sense. The United States has the cleanest coal emissions, if not one of the cleanest coal emissions, okay, in the world. And yet this stupid little propaganda piece wants us to believe that coal, yeah, coal is the dirtiest, most carbon intensive fossil fuel in Mexico, in China, in India, but not in the United States of America. So why don't we clarify propaganda article? Why don't we clarify to continue? 
While it generated only 24% of U.S. electricity in 2019, the fossil fuel accounted for about 61% of CO2 emissions in the power sector. West Virginia remains deeply intertwined with the declining coal industry. The state is leading a group of more than a dozen Republican-led states and a handful of fossil fuel companies in the case. How we respond to climate change is a pressing issue for our nation. Yet some of the paths forward carry serious, uh, serious and disproportionate costs for uh, states and countless others affected uh, countless other affected parties, the states wrote in October in urging the Supreme Court justices to take the case. Continued uncertainty over the scope of EPA's authority will impose costs we can never recoup. The Biden regime strongly objected after the court added it to the docket. EPA Administrator Michael Reagan tweeted at the time, power plant carbon pollution hurts families and communities and threatens businesses and workers. The courts have repeatedly upheld EPA's authority to regulate dangerous power plant carbon pollution. The pro-coal plaintiffs want the Biden regime blocked from making industry-wide cuts to emissions using the Clean Air Act. They argue that U.S. Congress did not explicitly empower the EPA to issue sweeping regulations under the legislation. If the Biden regime loses the case, the new legislation would be needed. A new legislation would be needed to implement major emission reduction strategies, which appears to be a very slim possibility in a bitterly divided Congress and ahead of many fraught midterm battles this November. The Supreme Court's conservative majority, which includes three appointees of former President Donald Trump, their words not mine, has already shifted to the right on issues and favoring less government oversight. Along with cutting down the landmark precedent established in the 1973 ruling in Roe, the 6-3 conservative majority also recently weakened re restrictions on gun ownership. Weakened, yep, 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 that's correct. On Monday, the court's majority ruled that a high school football coach who prayed on field after games was protected by the Constitution, which opponents claimed could lead to much more coercive prayer in public schools. All right, pretty interesting there that, ladies and gentlemen. Interesting there that. Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. 
from $0.99 per month to $4.99 per month to $9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. All right. All right, guys, we are getting ready to wrap up the evening tonight. I hope you guys have enjoyed the broadcast so far. Make sure you join us over at Rumble if you haven't already, where you can uh, catch some of the clips of the show there. In case you uh, hear something you like here and you need a nugget that is just a little bit more digestible than two to three hours worth of my speak. Join us over at the Rumble page. Don't forget to also visit us at thecreport.com and uh, join the mailing list over there. And uh, you can find out more about the Sea Report at thecreport.com and also visit our store, Shop Mr. CTV. That's right, Mr. CTV, because we do a whole lot more here than just the Sea Report. We also have uh, Sea in the Dark, which is our uh, weekends, late night uh, talk and uh, guest show as well as the mythological Lone Star News. And, and what else do we got for you? Uh, watch parties for President Trump rallies, as well as uh, other such uh, things as hearings and uh, committee hearings and stuff like that. It's, you know, just a bunch of stuff that you can get over at Mr. CTV, ladies and gentlemen. Now, last story for tonight. And I know I said we were going to talk about Ghislaine Maxwell at the beginning of the show tonight, guys, but, uh, well, she got 20 years. Okay. We'll dissect that a little bit more on tomorrow night's episode. We'll also talk elections again, uh, starting tomorrow night. Uh, but this episode actually has been a pretty good episode, uh, to uh, throw on to Suzanne tube without getting, uh, without getting any, uh, uh, marks against my uh, account, so uh, it might prevail that tonight's episode was good just for that. And hey, you know, we dug into some uh, topics that I think my audience was uh, really hungry to get a dig on that we hadn't spoken about before. So let's go ahead and talk about this uh, last story for tonight, uh, a case that the Supreme Court seems to be taking up that would seem to um, uh, strengthen a state's powers to regulate our elections. As you might imagine, this would definitely, definitely anger the left, the progressives, and those rascally Democrats who keep on trying to pass election laws that would just make it easier to what? Cheat steal or otherwise defraud our people from our most sacred right. Okay, the article from the Epoch Times, uh, Supreme Court seems likely to take up case that could recognize states' power to regulate elections. The Supreme Court seems likely to accept a new election law case that Republicans hope will recognize what they say is the preeminent constitutional authority of state legislatures to set the rules for redistricting and congressional and presidential elections, as well as curb the power of state courts to intervene in such disputes. The U.S. Constitution is crystal clear. State legislatures are responsible for drawing congressional maps, not state court judges, and certainly not with the aid of partisan political operatives. 
Tim Moore, a Republican who is the Speaker of the North Carolina House of Representatives, said in March when he launched an appeal of his state Supreme Court order redrawing the state's electoral map against the wishes of the state's GOP majority legislature. We are hopeful that the Supreme Court will reaffirm this basic principle and will throw out the illegal map imposed on the people of North Carolina by its highest court. It is time to settle the elections clause question once and for all. The case is Moore v. Harper, court file 21-1271, a petition filed on March 17th that was preceded by an emergency application seeking to stay a February 14th ruling by the Supreme Court of North Carolina that required the state to modify its existing congressional elections districts for the 2022 primary and general elections. Respondent Rebecca Harper is one member of a group of 25 individual North Carolina voters. On March 7th, Supreme Court turned away the stay election application, pardon me. In an opinion concurring in the denial of the stay, Justice Brett Kavanaugh stated that the high court has repeatedly ruled that federal courts ordinarily should not alter state election laws in the period close to an election. The the petition was scheduled to be considered by the justices on June 16th. The court is next scheduled to announce decisions on pending petitions on June 21st. For a petition to be granted, at least four of the nine members, uh, justices must agree. Republicans say the Constitution directly empowers state legislatures to make rules for the conduct of elections, including presidential elections, and yet... Supreme Court has reportedly never invoked the so-called independent state legislature doctrine. The doctrine, a favorite of conservative legal thinkers such as radio host Mark Levin, who speaks of it frequently, was often advocated by Republicans throughout the 2020 election that they claim was stolen from the incumbent president Donald Trump. Their words, not mine. The elections clause in Article 1 states the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. The presidential electors clause in Article 2 states each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. Four conservative Supreme Court justices have gone on record expressing an interest in ruling on the doctrine, and three justices said it applied in the Bush v. Gore case that resolved the disputed 2000 presidential election. Although Kavanaugh turned down the stay application, he noted that the issue is almost certain to keep arising until the court definitively resolves it. In an opinion dissenting from the same order, Justice Samuel Alito wrote that if the elections clause said the rules were to be prescribed by each state, that wording would have left it up to each state to decide which branch, component, or officer of the state government should exercise that power, as states are generally free to allocate state powers as they choose. But that is not what the elections clause says. Its language specifies a particular organ of a state government, And we must take that language seriously, Alito wrote in a dissent that was joined by Justices Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch. 
Left-wing elections lawyers are dismayed that the Supreme Court could rule on the doctrine. A ruling endorsing a strong or muscular reading of the independent state legislature theory would potentially give state legislatures even more power to curtail voting rights and provide a pathway for litigation to subvert the election outcomes expressing the will of the people. University of California Urban Law Professor Rick Hassan told the Associated Press. Meanwhile, legal observers are awaiting a Supreme Court opinion as the justices deliberate another case from the Tar Heel State called Berger v. North Carolina State Conference of the NAACP Court File 21-248. Bill Berger, a Republican, is president pro tempore of the North Carolina Senate. The NAACP is the National Association of the Advancement of Colored People. The court heard oral arguments in the case on March 21st, as Epoch Times reported. Berger argued the state's GOP majority legislature should be allowed to step in to advocate for a voter ID law in court because Josh Stein, the state Democrat attorney general, allegedly was not doing enough to defend the statute. It is unclear when the opinion will be issued, the justices are trying to clear a backlog of 18 opinions from the current term, including other cases dealing with abortion, school prayer, gun rights, climate change, before they break for summer recess. The court is scheduled to release more opinions on the 21st and 23rd. So there you go. That was uh, a dated, that article was a little dated, but nonetheless, very, very, very um, uh, uh, timely to read. Two decisions regarding elections on the table, ladies and gentlemen, two decisions. So I guess we will have to see where that will leave them then, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The Supreme Court keeps making moves that seem to be angering the left. You can see why that they are totally, totally upset. Um about these three uh, Trump-appointed justices. And yes, Sherry M., I would have to agree, the ruling would also piss off some rhinos. <laughs> but guys, we got to get rid of them rhinos. We have to get rid of them rhinos, all right? And uh, we'll get into more of a... Um, We'll get into more of a soapbox about rhinos at another date and time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but until then, thank you again for tuning in to tonight's show. I'm going to encourage you all once again to head over to thecreport.com and click on the store tab at the very top of the uh, top of the um, um, webpage there, where you can get your Mr. C merchandise and the C Report merchandise. Uh, such as this handy-dandy cup featuring the mug of one Victoria Mark Milley. That's right, Victoria Mark Milley, everything woke turns to shit. A limited edition mug available at the Sea Report store. Uh, you can also get, if a mug is your thing, <laughs> you can also get the uh, Kofefe mug. Ladies, just so you guys will never forget what Kofefe means, don't let anyone tell you any different about the meaning of Kofefe, okay? It's not a mystery. It is the Kofefe Act of 2017. That is the communications over various uh, feeds electronically for engagement, a bill that amends provisions regarding the governance of presidential election, I mean, presidential records. I apologize, not elections, but presidential records, ladies and gentlemen, to include such things as social media. 
But wait, that's not all. You can also get your hands on, oh, uh, you can also get your hands on the latest design, and that would be the uh, Rhino Hunting Season mug, ladies and gentlemen, from the White House to the State House. It is Rhino Hunting Season. And all of these designs are also available on uh, t-shirts and uh, other uh, various items that you guys might be interested in taking a look at. Uh, and, uh, well, everything but the Victoria Millie, everything but the Victoria Millie design is available on apparel, on home goods, on drinkware, etc. And it is another way, ladies and gentlemen, for you to support the C-Report um, and also spread the word about the broadcast and the show. All right. With that said, I think the only other things I've got to say is you can also check us out at the podcast available at anchor.fm slash the C report, ladies and gentlemen, where you can take the pop, you can take this live stream on the go. I hear it's a lot safer to listen to your news rather than to watch your news when you're driving. So make sure you uh, search for the C report on your favorite um, yeah, radio station app, whether that's uh, Spotify, Go Ogle apps, or what have you, Apple apps or Apple podcasts, whatever. We're available on all the big ones, ladies and gentlemen. So make sure you check us out there. And uh, with that said, guys, I think we'll call tonight's show a wrap. Thank you for being a part of the audience. If you are hanging out with us tonight at the foxhole.app at pilled.net at uh, Rumble, at uh, Twitch, Clout Hub, uh, Trovo, and uh, where else were we at tonight? DLive. We were on a whole bunch of um, different platforms this evening. So uh, thank you again for joining us. We'll be back at it again manana, doing it the way that we do it here at the Sea Report. I've been your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Cossidis. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, as you go gentle into that dark night, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you next time. Have a great night. Until then.